But there's no bunting up. Where's the bunting? I wanted bunting. I drove down, we came past Liberty. And, you know, down into Piccadilly that way. And I thought, I, I, I visualised if I was a tourist, thinking, is the Olympics taking place? <laughs> Wouldn't have the faintest idea. I want it, I mean, really, it should be a little bit like, like the Queen's Jubilee. Every shop window should have the Olympic rings in there. All the flags should be the Olympic rings. It's, we should be absolutely drenched in the stuff. We should be drenched. There was nothing. There was nothing. You know, Cordings, lovely shop, love Cordings. Um... And, you know, in the window, they should have old prints of the Olympic Games, you know, welcome to our Olympics, or anything. There was nothing at all, nothing at all. They say, oh, you're going to notice this week. I don't know. I don't know about it. I'm, I was a bit disappointed. I felt like going out and getting my own bunting. As you know, John Warrington, in his shop up in Camden, he did a lovely display in the window full of old posters of the Olympic Games, which we used the, the last time round. And the trading standards came round and told them to take them down. And you think, you mealy-mouthed little so-and-sos. What horrible people. It's the Olympics. Oh, you don't do the copyright for that. Well, sod the copyright. That's what I say. I mean, it's the Olympic Games. I mean, you know, all the from all the flagpoles round here, there should be bunting. The Olympic Games. You know, London, 20... should say some, nothing. Not a peanut. Not a peanut at all. It's terrible, isn't it? God, I'm so depressed about that, because I'm, I'm really pro the Games. I think this week is going to be great. We're going to have the lead up. The to- everybody's excited about the torch. People are excited about you know this. Who's going to light the flame? Oh, to God, it's not David Beckham. I really hope they've not pandered to him and gone. Oh, there you go, David. Because you didn't get anything else. We're going to let you light the flame. I've got a horrible feeling it could be right. And then I read in the paper the other day that there was a, uh, a great piece about the Spice Girls who might be singing. Well, they never sang anyway. They auto-tune themselves in all their concerts. So the very idea they're going to bring them back together. And also, if they are coming back together, should they not be rehearsing at the moment? You know, la-la's everywhere. And then they've actually said, one of the... I thought they were a bit of scandal-mongering. One of the, uh, one of the news outlets said, Mel C's making demands. Now, Melanie Chisholm is delightful. I can't see that she'd be making demands. Apparently, she wants tickets for all the events and people flown in in her own stylist. And I thought, no, that, that sounds a little bit more like Victoria Beckham. That doesn't sound at all like Melanie Chisholm. If I had to be honest with you, they're all so old and long in the tooth, it doesn't actually make any difference. It, it really doesn't make any difference at all. I hope they don't perform. I don't really want to see the Spice Girls. I mean, can we come, come and sing a bit better? If you're going to put the Spice Girls, I'm going to put Pete Doherty up there. Let's have a good old laugh, shall we? Let's do something. I mean, not the Spice Girls. Are they sort of still revered around the world? Probably not. Probably not. But I did watch something which was revered, especially in my house, and it annoyed me so much I tweeted about it. I was watching Come Dine With Me, and it was a bloke called Amir, a more vile, disgusting, lowlife you'd be hard pushed to find anywhere. What a horrible, horrible person. I sat there watching. He found... They, they had, as usual, there was a couple of women on there who were... One of them didn't like that. I can't eat that. No, I'm not eating that. No, I can't eat that. Oh, why? Oh, I'll be sick if I eat that. You think you're on a food programme. You eat what you're given. Uh, in fact, really, I don't think people should be told what it is. Because one of the blokes on it, there was a fairly posh boy, whose name I can't remember, but his, his, his house, his parents' house was quite nice, but decorated so badly, I thought I couldn't live there. Definitely couldn't live there at all. So he, he, he does pigeon for his starter. And one Amir... The man with more chips on his shoulder than Harry Ramsden's. The man who's got issues with anybody who's quite clearly got anything more than he has. And he had nothing. He was just awful. I mean, he was just so... I don't think I've seen anybody so bad on television since the cast of The Only Way Essex Hove interview when we watched their little stunt in Marbella, which was so cheap and tacky. 
I mean, you know, does Joey Essex actually go out with girls or does he just hang around with naff boys? Because his little posse, God, blimey. I didn't realise it was possible to find three ugly blokes in Essex all on the same programme. There they all were. There they all were, hanging around little Joey Essex, who's... I mean, I can't... He isn't that stupid, is he? He, he must be putting it on for the camera. No, he really is that stupid. No, he... No, he really... No, he... No, please. 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 He can't be. He can't be. It would drive me mad. And so, anyway... So I watch that. I'm watching Amir. And all the time I'm thinking about the Olympics. And all the time I'm thinking about the bunting. And I'm thinking, I want to go out and drape all the lampposts with bunting. I want everybody to know this is London 2012. I want everybody to know this week... Uh, we're going to be talking about the, the flame. Uh, I've done a feature on the gardens. My in-conversation will reflect the Olympics this week, as we're going to be doing Chariots of Fire. I'm not actually running in Chariots of Fire, I have to tell you. There's no, there's no chance I'm going to be doing all that. And, I mean, I just think it's going to be fantastic. I want us to win loads of medals. I quite like the idea that Wiggins has won the uh, the Tour de France. Not sure about the sideburns, you know, but perhaps that's a Belgian thing. I don't know. A lot of Belgian people have sideburns. And he cycled into the history books, which is great, so I'm very happy there. But to be honest with you, it's only cycling. It's only cycling. It's, it's not actually, you know, not that exciting. just people pedalling very fast. You know, I, I did it when I, was a, when I was a child. Apparently, Dad says they spent all the bunting money on Tower Bridge. I just want... I want every shop window. Why did they not issue official Olympic stuff that people can put up, because apparently we, you don't own the copyright to the Olympic rings. Well, do you know, I think, pff, stick two fingers up to them, put it up anyway. You know, I, I, I wanted to see Harrods, Liberties, Selfridges draped, draped in stuff for the Olympic Games. But no, nothing. You can drive through London and suddenly be going, we've got the Olympic Games, really? Yes, we have. It starts this week. Good Lord. You'd never know. So really, you know, I would like to see Boris getting out there. And this week, just making sure that the entire capital is covered with Olympic ring flags, everything out there. The shopkeepers can do whatever they want. We had all this thing the other day. If anybody's going to be wearing a Pepsi-Cola T-shirt, they won't be allowed in. Oh, stuff them, ladies and gentlemen. You know, because Coca-Cola are paid. Well, we understand that. But, you know, you're not going to get armies of people wearing Pepsi T-shirts, are you? Or so people going, come to Burger King, so much better than McDonald's. You know, because McDonald's have got the franchise on chips and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just thinking, you know, come on, up with the bunting, up with the flags. I want, you know, London buses. In fact, all of London buses should have been literally rebranded for this particular event. It's the Olympics. The Olympics. Every bus, every taxi in London. We should be absolutely dripping in this stuff. And we're not. We're not. You can't put any uh, ring symbols up there because you don't own the copyright hence my friend John having to take them down I was furious about that I thought no he's doing it poor tourists for taking pictures because they were such lovely posters that he put up and he'd made an effort and you think oh come on come on I don't understand how people can copyright an image to be honest with you but people do do you remember Harrods years ago so there was some bloke in Acton I think it was Acton and he painted his shop in the same colour as Harrods and Harrods made him change the colour of it because they said it made it look as though it was an offshoot of Harrods. <laughs> they become so pretentious, these people. They come round, they sort of knock on your door. Well, you can't have that. What if I actually put a flag outside my window, which was... an Olymp- My friend Michael's got an Olympic flag. He's, he said, I'm going to put it up on Friday. I thought, oh, God, I hope you don't get, you know, the, the do-gooders coming round. What you have to say is you have to sort of... You have to put it up there. And when they come round and go, it's nothing to do with me. I don't know, it just appeared. Perhaps we could do that, really. Oh, oh, cool. Sorry. I've cheated on the lemon this morning. I couldn't be bothered yesterday to go and buy lemons because over the weekend I did miles like there's no tomorrow. 
I went to Costco in Reading on Saturday morning. I think I tweeted that, yeah. And then I went from there to Southampton for lunch and uh, then came back up, then went out for dinner in the evening and drinks. And then on Sunday, up early yesterday, out, uh, got myself a cup of coffee, had to say farewell to Martin, who was the manager at Starbucks, because he's moving to Staines. So, in fact, you know, our loss, their gain, I'm afraid. So we lose Martin, but it's been, it'll be a bit of a challenge for him. He said he's, he's been in the shop and had a look round. <laughs> there will be some changes, so that's good. So we're going we're to miss him. Great shame. So I did that. Then we went walking around Regent's Park with the dog. Not my dog, a friend's dog. Then came back and, uh, and then, you know, had to sort of check on the tax. I've got to find this, this tax reference number. And I think it's on the top of one of my bills. So I'll, I'll have to, I've got to sort that out later on today. Watched a bit of television. Got myself really wound up by watching Come Dine With Me and this... this Awful man, Amir, who was so horrible. There was, a, but it was one of the women in there. She was, she won, I think. There was one woman who was who was fed up with Amir and just went, "Shut up!" Horrible, horrible, horrible person. And um, and then there was this other one who didn't eat anything. Oh, I can't eat that. We just like to try. No, I can't eat that. What are you doing on a food program, you silly old bag? I was getting very angry, shouting at the television. But it was Amir who was the, who was the worst one there. Uh, there was also a shopkeeper. Uh, whose his surname, I think, is Harrod, but he wasn't allowed to call his shop Harrods. But then there was another shopkeeper who called it Harabs. Somebody else had Harab, and, th- and they kept doing different sort of variations of uh, of the word. And you think to yourself, it's it, when, when it comes to, do you really think that there's going to be another Harrods out there? No, you're going to think there's just the one Harrods. It's like, well, I just suppose it's like Steve Allen. I get constant emails for another Steve Allen. I think we've got three who work within the company. And... Um, one of them's obviously fancied by somebody because I got an email the other week from somebody going, really fancy you, going, wanting to go out for a drink with you. So I had to write to them and go, I'm really sorry, but it's not me. It's somebody else. I know which one it is, but I'm, I'm too polite. Anyway, they've obviously gone to ground now because the funny thing was it was a bloke writing to him. <laughs> which I thought was so, so I wrote back and just said, no, it's not me. I'm, I, I, I get quite used to writing back to people saying, it's definitely not me that you're supposed to be writing to. I'm on the list of Steve Allens, but check which one it is. Because it was so funny. I really fancy you. <laughs> like it's going to happen. Like it's going to happen. 84850-stevedlbc.co.uk or 08456060973. We shall weave it all in this morning. And... Um, Yes, Andrew says, be very careful. Are you allowed to mention the word Olympics? You don't have the copyright. Olympics, 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 Olympics. There you go. All this week, the Olympics on the Steve Allen Show. I just want bunting up. I want all the shops to be drenched. In this. If this was anywhere else around the world, if this was America, they would be absolutely everywhere. And so far here, nothing. Quarter past. This is LBC 97.3. Conversation with Steve Allen. I'll pay somebody 20 quid if they manage to get a T-shirt into the Olympics with I listen to Steve Allen on LBC 97.3 and it actually gets flashed up in the papers. OK, I'll give you £100 if you manage to get that. £100 if you manage to get that on the Olympics. Go on, let's go down. Let's try it. There's a funny little item in the paper today. I'm, I'm constantly reading about uh, celebrities and footballers who go out and they spend a small fortune in a bar. And then the bar owner tweets going, ooh, had so-and-so last night. They spent a small fortune. Soccer ace. A bit of a plank, actually. Mario Balotelli. That's the one with the funny haircut. Remember, we've seen him out there, and then he went with this woman and didn't go with that one, and then, then this and then this one was staying with him, and that one went away, and then another one came in, and then... It's all very confusing, is it? But anyway, he, he goes out to a bar owned by Gary Lineker's brother, 
who's called Wayne. Wayne Lineker. Kind of sums it up, doesn't it, really? Wayne Lineker. Anyway, so he goes out there and he decides that, that he, he's going to fork out for drinks. So he's got a party of 20. And he forks out this money. And in fact, Wayne Lineker is so excited, Wayne Lineker tweets... Wicked night. His bill was the biggest anyone has ever had in 25 years in any Linekers. So I'm thinking, what What did he spend? You know, was it like... Because the one of the biggest bar bills, I think, was um, for some city people who went, I think, into Gordon Ramsay's and racked up, I think, something like 68,000 quid on a lunchtime because it was fine wines. What did Mario Balotelli spend at Linekers for 20 people? Bearing in mind, I think I think probably about a hundred and something thousand pounds would be average for somebody going having a good four thousand pound. Hardly worth bothering, you cheapskate. Have they got any what did you have? Cider? Or was it you know, did you have something really cheap? Twenty people? And all you did was rack up a bit of four grand. What were they on? Water? I've never seen anything so cheap. I feel so, I feel like sort of putting some money in envelopes, sending it to Mario, going, You obviously haven't got much money, pal. I can do better than that. Dreadful. Dreadful. And then of course I laughed like a drain. Nicole Scherzinger. What is she famous for? She was a pussycat doll. What were they famous for? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But she but she has a she has a boyfriend, okay? And Nicole Scherzinger is quite clearly up her own self. She turns up at the airport. The X Factor have given her a ticket to go back to Los Angeles. She's only been booked in economy. She's only been booked in economy. The old bag's in economy. She has to turn right. Well, she kicks up a fuss. Oh dear me. So and they wouldn't give her a free upgrade. Why would they? Who are you? And Nicole Scherzinger. Sorry, love. Nicole, oh, ex-pussycat doll. I dance for you. La, 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 la. Right, you're definitely economy. We don't want anything like you in first class. So she has to fork out three and a half grand. And she apparently, I don't believe this story at all, she mutters under her breath something about Simon Cowell being cheap. He doesn't vet these things. Somebody in the office would have just booked her on a flight and gone, let's stick her on a flight. It's £1,200. Stick her on a flight. It's only Nicole Scherzinger. Who did she think she is? But apparently, um, she she had a, she had a bit of a mare at the airport. I love that actually. Not not as much as she actually spent more money on her flight getting back to the states. She doesn't want to talk to people quite clearly than Mario Balotelli did. I mean, spending a fortune four thousand pounds hardly worth bothering. Four thousand quid. Lineker's bar must be the cheapest going. Apparently, the colour may be copyright. Says Steve. My uncle has his own company and created his own shade of blue, which has a copyright. Yeah. I mean, it's, to be honest with you, to be honest, I mean, I don't think it really makes any difference. I think it's just put it up anyway. Let them take it through court. Let them take it to court. I'd, I'd be prepared to push it. I want to put the Olympic ring. I want to go and get some nice Olympic flags, drape them in my shop window. I don't have a shop window, but I'd like to do that and sort of put them up. And then somebody come around and say, we're going to take you to court. You go, go on, take us to court then. Let's see what a mealy mouthed little person you are trading standards. Otherwise known as little jobs worth. Little jobs worth. That's all they are. So anyway, so now now we've done well in the cycling. We're all a bit bit uh, bit gung ho about that. To encourage people to go out there and jump through red lights and do the usual thing. So anyway, so I was telling you about the lemon. I forgot to I forgot to buy lemons yesterday. But when I went to Costco, they did lemon in a bottle, and it's called lazy lemon. So I thought I'd buy it and try it. And it's lemon juice made with concentrated lemon juice. And I've tried. It's quite sharp. It's quite. I'm not. I'm, you get two bottles. And it was only like £3.99 or something stupid. I can't remember what it was, really. And so I've, I've sort of bought this stuff. I mean, it's going to take weeks to get through it. And they say, keep it refrigerated. And I know what's going to happen. I'll put it in the fridge and somebody will pinch it. People do things like that. They nick everything. So I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm going to have to keep it with me. But I, I do quite like it. Mm. Mm. Oh, dear. Um, 
Oh, and also Tamara Eccleston. Oh, her boyfriend, who comes with a track record, as you can well imagine, he spent time in prison. He's a bit of a naughty boy. He made a bit of a naughty film. And, but, but the funny thing is that she's hired Max Clifford to get her publicity on it. I mean, that, that's how desperate the poor old soul is. Now, much as oh, I love Max Clifford, when you read what this two have had to split up, because they're not married, but they've bought each other presents. And they've bought each other, like, serious presents. I don't know where he gets his money from. I really have no idea. He has spent 18 months in prison for fencing watches, you know. And you only have to look at him to realise he's got the word not normal written across him. And uh, so I'm going to save that for the free podcast, because the list of what they've done is is unbelievable. I was also very sad to read that Ang Harad Rees has died, the actress. And also Simon Ward, who was 70. And um, I found that very disappointing, very, very disappointing. I mean, just absolutely awful, I'm afraid. But one of Simon's daughters, I think Kitty, is married to Michael McIntyre. So I think he's got three three daughters. 70. You'd never know he was 70. He popped up a short while ago on on the television. So uh, not so good. And, of course, Alistair Burnett, who went as well. So we lost Alistair Burnett, Simon Ward, and Ang Hangard Rees. I'm going to say the poor woman's name now. But a uh, very sad weekend. Very sad. But the good news is that uh, there's an interview with Tom Daly on BBC One tonight, 10.35. And, uh, and I shall be watching that not, because I shall be fast asleep in bed. And, and who is the celebrity, says Noreen? Do you think it's William and Catherine? Or, or could it be MI5? No, I don't think so, no. I don't know who they would pick. I have a horrible feeling it's going to be Beckham. I've just got this horrible feeling it's going to be David Beckham. Whereas, in fact, really, it should be sort of some little child, shouldn't it? Just somebody who represents innocence. Somebody who represents, you know, something, something, you know... Yeah, I don't know about the future. I mean, I don't really give a stuff about the future anymore. I mean, that's a load of old cobblers, isn't it, really? Nobody cares about the future. But but, but why don't we have sort of, you know, a couple of little nice kids who, who could sort of just like... And this is for all the children from out the world. And then light the thing. You know, that'd be nice. I quite like that idea. That would go down. I don't want to see David Beckham's grinning face again. I really don't. I'm, I'm sorry. If it makes me sound mean and everything, uh, well, I'm going to have to be mean on that one because I'm so he wasn't picked for the team. Who gives a 4X, honestly, for goodness sake? I wouldn't want to do it. You should go to somebody deserving. James O'Brien's very deserving. Maybe he could fall in. James Max could do it. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Just hold this lighter filled for you. Clive Bull we could give it to. I, I, I would have offered it to Duncan, but to be honest with you, he's got to walk past the McDonald's to get to it. And it, he'll just never make it, will he? You know that he'll be there with a quarter pounder with cheese, large fries, and, uh, and then probably just a cheeseburger, just on his way, you know. And then he'll walk to the flame thing. I just don't, I don't see that happening any other way. I don't think anybody else could do it. Cause I'm just saying, I'm, I'm tempted... I tend to think that Julia Hartley Brewer could do it. That'd be quite fun. I quite like that idea. <laughs> Julia Hartley Brewer. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, anyway, 84850, uk or 08456060973. Hot yesterday. Hot, hot, hot yesterday. Really, really nice weather. And I think you've got it every day this week. I think you've got it every day this week. They did say, and they did promise us, some good weather for... Uh, for the Olympics, and I think you're going to have a dry, sunny day here today. Do you know what the high's going to be? 
28 degrees today. Woo! Hate it. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. Currently 14. Now that's more my, my kind of temperature. 28. Double it and add 30. So 50, 80. Oh my God. 86 today. I to get back and water the hanging baskets as quick as possible before the, I didn't water them yesterday. Didn't have the strength. I should have done that. I should do that today. But if it's going to be 80, it can't be. Could it really be? Do you think? Rupert Barty's got this right. 28 degrees, double it, 56, 80, 86 degrees today. Well, 85 and a bit. Tonight, warm and sunny. Tomorrow, any early fog will clear. Another dry... Do you know what it is tomorrow? 30 degrees. Double it and add... 90 degrees tomorrow. Oh, my God, fathers. I'm not sure I'm going to cope with that. But everybody else will be enjoying it. Everybody else will be going, I wish I'd gone sick this week. I think I'll do a sickie. And for the remainder of the week, let me tell you very quickly... Wednesday and Thursday, sunny and hot in the day, warm and humid overnight. Friday, mainly dry and warm, risk of thunderstorms in the evening. But, I mean, who cares about that? Doesn't matter about that, does it? It's not going to dampen our, our, our hope and, uh, and the lighting of the flame and the whole business. I just want to see the bunting up. It's all I want to see. I don't want to see anything else. I don't care. Uh, I just wanted to say I agree with you, says Samir. Completely. For the need to have bunting everywhere. I just love a countdown and a build-up to huge events. Be it the Olympics, the Jubilee, New Year, football tournament, or even an election. It's a shame the fever hasn't been as big as it could have been. Every shop window in London should be draped in London 2012. Pictures of our Olympians. Pictures of the hopefuls. Pictures of the park. Picture, just everything. There's nothing. There's nothing. Because the little do-gooders go, oh, we can't put that up. It's copyright. That time somebody took these people on. Listen, we're hosting the Olympics. I want to see every window in London with an Olympic theme in it. Harrods windows. And in fact, Selfridges windows. You know, one could be hurdling. Just big pictures at the back. Big photographs of of past Olympians. You know, with the rings and everything. But nothing. Unless, of course, you know differently. In which case, I'd love to hear from you. Who do you think should light the Olympic flame? We've had various suggestions. And, um... It should be a person, says Phil, injured in action. We should have collection boxes in all places where the army is searching for help for heroes. No, I, th- I think help for heroes does quite well enough without them doing the Olympics as well. The, alarm, the, the army boys will, will get paid for it. I don't know. Who to, it shouldn't really be somebody injured in action because that's got nothing to do with, with the Olympics. It should be... I think, I think the two little kids. I definitely don't want to see David Beckham. In fact, I don't want to see a celebrity. Somebody very unwisely said Ken Livingstone. What on earth for? On earth would you pick Ken Livingstone for? If you're going to pick anybody, pick the Mayor of London, Boris. Or failing that, do you not think the Queen should do it? Should the Queen not like the thing? You know, I mean, they're not even sure if she's going. And you think, well, she should be there for either the opening or the closing ceremony. That's what I, I would expect Her Majesty to be there. I mean, she's, she's the Queen. Or Prince Philip or Char. No, it should be the, the Queen should be lighting that, that thing. It's going to be a secret. And, then, and they aren't going to tell us. So it, it better be somebody good. Because if it's just old Beckham turning up again... You know, we're not going to be so thrilled. Well, I'm not going to be that thrilled. Um, how can anybody, says Colin, be put, put out anything that celebrates the Olympics when they'll immediately now be threatened with a lawsuit because of copyright issues? Sadly, the Jobsworths seem to be ruining it for everyone. When we here in Canada held the Winter Olympics, the whole country got behind it and celebrated the event. But sadly, it looks like Britain's going to be denied the opportunity to do so. Well, I'm, I, I know. I mean, I just... I'm sorry to keep going on about it, but it's really depressing if you drive around London. I thought that all the buses would have been rebranded with Olympics 2012 and the taxis, with, you know, the rickshaws could have been sponsored by somebody, anybody, you know, just to get them some insurance or something, because most of them don't have an insurance, so if you have an accident, kind of, you know, tough really for you. But, I mean, all of that should be up there. The whole of, you know, Eros should be covered round 
with a, you know, with sort of a, an Olympic theme with the rings going all the way around. Just anything. Because if you drove into London at the moment, you'd have no idea, apart from the bus lane and the Olympic lane. And that comes into force on Wednesday. OK, you get that on Wednesday. So just remember, I will remind you, come Wednesday morning, that if you are caught in the bus lane, it's a £130 fine. You don't want to be caught in the Olympic lane, let me tell you. But you put, put it there'll be nobody in it. We'll all be sitting there, sort of squashed up in the other lane. There'll be nobody in the Olympic lane, apart from a sort of a surge in the morning. But it's all, there's things taking place all over. But we will tell you all about it, and we'll tell you this week on the LBC website. You go on there now, lbc.co.uk, and find out exactly where the Olympic flame's going. But, uh, but the question is, who's going to light it? I mean, it's quite a mammoth thing, isn't it? As I say, anybody but Beckham, a couple of children, or felling that, Her Majesty the Queen should do it. I mean, I don't think she's busy on that day, and this is a garden party I'm not aware of. It's LBC 97.3, it's 4.30. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Well, Daily Thompson has been suggested. No, that would, that would be too easy, wouldn't it? It would be too easy to say Daily Thompson. I think, so, uh, I'm thinking it's definitely got to be, I think it's, it's definitely got to be the Queen. It's the Olympic, or the Prime Minister. No, that's not very exciting. You don't really see the Prime Minister lighting a flame. I think we ought to see the Queen doing it. Or something like that, Kate and William. I quite, yeah, Kate and William I could go for. That's what Noreen thinks. William and Catherine could light the flame. But it, it's, it's going to be somebody who's going to be, I love the woman who, who came in yesterday on the, uh, on the, the pod on the top of the London Eye. I thought that was, that was quite... My God, that looked a bit... Fr- I noticed that she was harnessed onto it. They'd have checked that one. I mean, to be honest, unless there's a big gust of wind, she wasn't going to be blown away, was she? But it... My God, the view from up there must have been amazing. I have been on it. I have been on it before, and I, 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 I quite liked it. I don't think I'd want to stand on the roof. I don't think I'd want to stand on the roof. Um, Steve, do you think it could be Susan Boyle? <laughs> that's, that's worth it, isn't it? She'd probably drop the flame. It would go out just as she was going to do it. She'd probably drop the thing. 84850, uk or 0845-Steve at... Uh, sorry, 0845-6060-973. Nearly forgot what it was, actually, briefly. And uh, we feature them all in. Uh, Tony says, 28 degrees is 82 in Fahrenheit and 30 equals 86. Yeah, 56 plus 30. That's the, the simple half. Listen, I defy anybody to tell the difference between 82 or 83 degrees. You can't. Um... Jodie Marsh could light it. Well, she'd fall in the beacon. I mean, I'm a bit bored with Jodie. She's trying to reinvent herself, and frankly, it's, uh, it's pitifully awful, I'm afraid. Bradley Wiggins, light the flame. Yes, yes, he could do, I suppose. He could do. Um, eight for eight, five, oh. Uh, how come the Middleton's Party Pieces Company have Olympic merchandise on sale? I agree with you. Hang some bunting up. Yes, exactly. We have to hang bunting up. Of course, of course we do. Um, countdown seven days, says Janice. To my last chemo after 12 treatments. Very, very excited. Very excited. Good for you. Actually, uh, Junior's uh, just finished his chemo up there in uh, in Scotland. We'll come around to him a bit later. James Whale could light the flame by firing a flaming arrow. Yes, they have to do it. They have to do it. They have to... I mean, that would be quite good, wouldn't it? Literally, sort of an arrow fired into the air, which would then ignite this, and then a chain of, of things could get... But I think that's been done before, hasn't it? Haven't they done that, that chain of events before? I think so. Wrong calculation. 16 is 61 and 28 is 82, says Jonathan. No, we just double it and add 30. It's so much easier. So much easier. Uh, Somebody's saying lemon juice. Very good for you. It is actually very good. And I tell you what I found the other day. I found a watermelon with no pips in it. 
which is a bit, bit of a, a rarity these days. They were, they were knocking them out in Costco for three ninety nine. So I've, I've now got in the boot of the car this sucking great big watermelon, which is, which is just absolutely wonderful, but I just haven't, haven't got round to opening the blooming thing. Uh, papers today, they're talking about the uh, uh, Wiggins, of course. He's, I mean, I suppose he could, but he's just won something. He's you, you wouldn't want him doing the Olympic uh, flame as well, would you? I don't think so. Uh, and also, I feel immensely sorry for poor old um, Michelle Keegan. Michelle Keegan is in Coronation Street. Uh, they keep hailing her as some sort of, you know, vamp and this and that, and she's stunning. She's extremely plain-looking. I mean, she's very plain. But she was going out with a bloke uh, called Max George. Uh, and Max and her went out. Unfortunately, Max had another girlfriend beforehand. And her name was Bobby. Bobby went out with Max, which was lovely. And um, and then, of course, the moment he became famous, he didn't want to go out with Bobby anymore. So Bobby obviously became very bitter and very twisted. And so that's why she's uh, she sold her story to the paper. And it's running again today. She says, uh, it had to be a secret. Uh, we used to have sex seven times a day. In your dreams, pal. In your dreams. Seven times a day. And uh, Max uh, was the wanted's heartthrob. Well, he probably still is, but you've come over as somebody so bitter. You know, I mean, talk about, why don't you just get a knife and plunge it into the back of Michelle Keegan? You know, you couldn't have done more hurt. I mean, I hope you got your 30 pieces of silver for this one. I really hope you did, because you're quite clearly not, not all there in the brain department, are you? And uh, she's, she's sold the story of how he was carrying on having an affair with her. But in fact, um, you know, he, he, he wanted the, the publicity. But in fact, he used to phone her and text her. What a nasty person you are, Bobby. I wonder what you I mean. What, what do you do for a living? I don't know what you do. I, um, oh, she was part of a, a girl band called Fallen Angels. Oh, dear. So you're a failure, aren't you? But never mind. You've got some money for selling your story. Bit of a shame. But uh, I'm sure that's uh, how things will pan out for you in the future. What a horrible thing to do, though. You know, just because somebody's relationship goes belly up. And, you know, it's awful. He can go out with who he wants. He can go out with who he wants. Oh, I'm aware it's ours. I'm aware we own the wanted. That's Ashley's group, I know that. But what a horrible thing for her to do, an ex-girlfriend, stab somebody in the back, like Michelle Keegan, who's never done anybody any harm. Admittedly, she's not a particularly brilliant actress. You know. <laughs> Lou would love to look like Michelle Keegan. Well, she does look like Michelle Keegan. She does look like Michelle Keegan. She's she, heavens above. I don't know this, this woman, honestly. Actually, no bacon rolls today, I'm afraid, Lou. But Wednesday's looking very promising. Or is it Tuesday? Tuesday. I've got to go and see Chariots of Fire, and I can't remember when I... I think I'm seeing that Tuesday. I think, so it could be bacon rolls tomorrow. We're very excited. Ever since we actually discovered the bacon rolls in Pret-a-Manger, life has changed a bit for us, I'm afraid. I, felt, I nearly drove into town the other day. We don't have a Pret-a-Manger around my way. And I nearly drove in just to get a bacon roll. I thought, no, it's stupid. It's going to cost you 40 quid in petrol. No, you, they're not the same when you make them. They're not the same. You have to buy them. They just taste differently. And I might have to have it with, I think, daddy's sauce on it or something like that. I might have to go that. I never did that okay fruity sauce. I never liked that at all. I thought that was a bit, that was a bit naff, I'm afraid. But tomato ketchup, they could probably go, it's making me hungry now. <laughs> making me hungry. Don't think about it, Stephen. Think about something else. Think about nice things. Think about the Olympics. Think about the torch. I'm thinking about the torch. I'm thinking about the weather, and I'm thinking I'm not going to cope very well this week. If, if we actually get weather as we have predicted, which is going to be up in the 80s, the high 80s and 90s, I'm just re- I'm going to have to hibernate, because I'm ju- I just won't function in it at all. I'm going to be absolutely terrible, I'm afraid. Uh, lighting the flame, uh, Joanna Lumley from Ab Fab. She, she could grab a light for her fag from it. 
That's right. It ends up burned down the stadium or something. Like she did once, I think, in one of the episodes. I can't remember which one it was she did. But uh, Peter Andre and his kids, because Peter Andre loves his kids. He could be good. Actually, there's a nice picture of uh, of, uh, of Jordan in the paper over the weekend. Well, it wasn't really. I'm just saying that to be nice. And because uh, Jordan loves her kids and never exploits them. And it was a picture of her with all her children again. It was in her, her, her column, I think, or something like that. Which is almost as bad as Natalie Cassidy's. I don't know who writes them. It's certainly not them. Because, as you know, Jordan can't string two words together. And having seen Natalie Cassidy on the television, she ain't much cop either. Spends most of her time on holiday, doing, you know, very little. You know, which is awful, because all these people should plan for it. They, they, should, they should plan for, you know, for what, what happens when... Um, for when uh, there isn't any acting work. Oh, sorry, I forgot about that. There isn't any acting work, is there, for Natalie Cassidy? That was ages ago she finished. I didn't buy the Sunday papers at M&S this week. That I, I, had to, I bought them at a garage. I put some petrol in. Because uh, I suddenly was coming into town on Sunday. I thought, oh, God, petrol. I must put some petrol in. And I managed to find a garage that was quite inexpensive. One thirty nine I paid, which I thought was very good. Very good for sort of top-quality petrol. Martin reckons that Auntie Enid could like it. Well, you know, she could like the flame. I mean, she could. The trouble is, it's, it's, it's getting the release papers. I don't think the home would be happy to have her wandering around. Not with anything... Not after her last experience with a lighter. You know, we don't want anything like that going on. But, I mean, it, she would be a good choice. Nobody'd know who she was. But it would be quite good. Uh, Mel the Miltman says, lighting the torch. It, it is to my five. It's our impression of Daphne from Eggheads. Because we like Daphne. Because she knows the answer to everything. I mean, she's such a know-all. <laughs> Can't help but hate her. <laughs> uh, Steve, spoilt brat Beckham must not light the flame. Next thing, they'll give him a knighthood. Oh, I, I, I see that as being around the corner. I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't see that as being an option, I'm afraid. But... Um, I don't think he's a spoiled brat. I just think that we don't want him lighting the flame. I want somebody else. I don't, you know, he isn't an Olympian. They didn't pick him for the football team. And then they have to go, oh, because he was instrumental in getting us the Olympics. He had nothing to do with it. It wasn't instrumental. That, it wasn't sort of David Beckham who got us the, uh, the Olympics. So I, I don't think he should have. I don't mind him being there. I don't have a problem with him being there or something like that. But um, no, we, should, we either have somebody running in... Or we have, uh, I don't know, a, a difficult to think off the top of your head at this time of the morning, who you would have lighting the... F- you hear this chair squeaking away this... Look at it. Have you heard anything like it? It sounds like my bones this morning. Look, I've never known a chair like it. I'll swap it in the, in, in the break coming up in a moment. When I sat down in it, I thought it was a funny noise. I thought maybe it's me. You know when you get to an age where you start making funny noises? And I thought, oh, yeah. It's awful, isn't it? Creaking bones. It was like watching Take That. At a, at a Royal Variety performance a couple of years ago, when they was a, they, they, they'd sort of made their, their comeback. So they came back, and they all went down on one knee. I think they were doing Prey. And to be honest with you, you could hear the creaking bones from where we were sitting up in the gods. It was very funny. Uh, uk. I'm shocked to hear my hometown of the capital city ain't covered in Olympic bunting, says Bob. No, it's not. I wish it, Unless it's going to magically appear this week. I don't want to talk out of, out of brownies, but, um, you know, it, it would be nice to think that overnight something is magic. I mean, but if it was going to appear, it would have appeared last night. Although Boris has said, haven't you? You've heard him saying that this is the week where you'll see changes in the capital. I'm hoping it's going to be full of bunting. All the flags up, all the Olympic flags up. That's what it should be. The whole Olympic route, the whole Olympic route out on the, uh, the embankment should be, ab- they should call it, they should rename it Olympic Way. And they should literally have everything, all lampposts covered in bunting, all the way down. And that's the route. You know, like, whenever you go to France, every signpost, no matter where you are, leads to Paris. 
It doesn't matter where you are in France. You can be in the middle of Timbuktu and, you know, come across, you know, an old farmer sitting there sort of chewing on a sort of a, a corn cob and there'll be a sign above his head, Paris, this, and it'll be pointing to Paris. But if you're in Paris, every sign points to the sun, Route du Soleil. Everywhere you go around, if you, if you follow the Michelin Guide to get you around Paris, because otherwise it's a nightmare and you'd give yourself a headache, and it's all the Route du Soleil. We should have the same here. here. Route, the, the Olympic route. You know, there should be lights that go all the way down, like a laser light or something. Something that signifies it's the, it's the Olympics and that we're proud to have it. And it's not going to happen again for, for, well, certainly not in our lifetime. None of you listening will ever experience this again. So I think we have to make the best of it. I think we should all be out there with our flags, Olympic or otherwise. I don't care. Let them take me to court. I'm not bothered about things like that. I like flying from the car, actually, just to really annoy them. And they go, excuse me, royal car. See if we can get away with that one. It's going to be unlikely, isn't it? It's going to be unlikely, I think. Daniel Radcliffe uh, should light the flame, paying Harry Potter. Yes, I mean, yes, I quite like that idea. Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. But they have to, they have to do it, don't they, in such a way that it looks... It's no good somebody just running in, running round the stadium and then lighting it... You know, lighting the flame, because they'll all be fighting over who does the last run, I suppose. So, and I like the idea, but I'm sure I've seen before the arrow. I'm sure I've seen somebody firing an arrow, which has got a flame to it, which in turn lights this, and then that does this, and then that does that, and then this explodes, and then, and then, it, then all of a sudden, and it lights the Olympic flame. Failing that, the Queen has got to come out, you know, stick her in the car. She can, she can have a quick jog round. I'd like to see her in a bit of lycra. That'd be quite a good idea, Her, Her Majesty, in Lycra, and, and Philip as well. In fact, all of them in Lycra. In fact, if you've got actually five members of the royal family, you could put an Olympic ring on each of their bottoms, and you could have them running round, couldn't you? Perhaps they could have it tattooed on, something like that. I'm sure Beatrice and Eugenie would be up for that, definitely. David Chelmsford says petrol here is pound thirty-two. Yeah, I have, to, I have to use top-grade petrol, so I use the super petrol. That's why mine is a wee bit more expensive. Julie says, why are they dragging farm animals into the Olympic arena where there'll be fireworks? They'll be terrified. No, they weren't. They've all been trained specifically to, to, to be with, with fireworks. And also, there's not, there's not that many animals in there. It's just a few. And by the time they've actually got to that bit, they'll be out. They will be out because I think are they using? Are you talking about? Is this the opening ceremony or the closing ceremony? I'm assuming the fireworks will be for the closing ceremony. Are they going to have fireworks for the opening ceremony as well? Oh, it's both, is it? Oh wow! Oh, perhaps we push the boat out on the firework front. I know because I myself have got an old packet of sparklers from some years ago. I could lend them those if they ran out. We could go round there. We could eat. actually everybody in, in the stands could hold a firework. <laughs> that wouldn't be very practical, would it? Really, not very. I must change this chair. It's quarter to five. LBC. A number of people suggested Roger Bannister for, for lighting the uh, flame. He, of course, was our four-minute mile, and he's still around. I'm not sure whether or not... See, I'm not sure whether that would be Olympian, would that be up to that standard? I mean, he would be, he would be very good for it. Duncan got a bit excited about the Chelsea pensioners doing it. But, I mean, frankly, you'd have to sober them up first. You know what they'd like. By the time we got around to that thing, good grief. Because they're the only people who walk around Chelsea and they never buy a drink. People buy them drinks in all the pubs in Chelsea. Tell a Chelsea pensioner goes into a pub, everybody wants to buy them a drink. Everybody wants to buy them a drink. It's the best thing you've ever seen. It's fantastic. Um, uh, Roger Bannister, or a medal winner from the 1940s games. Yes, if we could find some, some people. Phil says, how about Philip Schofield lighting it? It seems to be everywhere else. Or Kelly Brook in a bikini. Yeah, she does seem to be everywhere. It? Yes, <laughs> Philip Schofield doing it. Now, that would be quite funny. We could have Holly Willabooby sort of advertising her own clothes there. And I'd, here's the Olympic flame, but this is available online. 
by this now. And uh, I saw the workmen at the Bow Roundabout altering all the lanes under the flyover. So watch out if you find your turn left now is now a straight-on lane. And my vote for the Queen to light the flame at the Olympics, he says. And thank you, everybody, for sending me birthday wishes. I was for... Well, anyway, he says it's not important. So that's Kevin the Mill. The morning, Kevin. Birthday wishes for yesterday. Gosh. For, for, so anyway, I don't think we go into people's ages, do we? It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. I was horrified when, I, when you discover people's ages after they die. And, uh, and they were saying, of course... After Simon Ward died, they said, 70. And, of course, you don't imagine Simon Ward being 70. You just really don't. He died peacefully at home with his, uh, with his family around him. And I was very sad to hear that. And Anghangard Rees. Uh, and also Alistair Burnett. But he was 80-something. But I always remember, I, I did a, a spoof on Alistair because he did the first interview with the Queen Mother. And so they went to Clarence House... And quite clearly, the Queen Mother didn't get out very much. She obviously enjoyed a drink or two. And so it ended up with Alistair Burnett walking round, round the garden and, and saying things to her like, um, trees. And she, she said to him, she said, I, I like trees. And he said, yes, trees, Your Majesty. And they both stared at trees. And it was so funny because the, the conversation was a bit stilted because you can't just talk to a member of the royal family, but it was the first time that I think they'd been interviewed. And it was the same documentary, I think, that had the Queen there. And she didn't have much conversation with lots of people around her because she doesn't. She only knows people around her. She can only talk to family. But because they're so steeped in protocol, there's, there's not really a lot of conversation. But it was always this famous Alistair Burnett and the Queen Mother that just made me laugh, I'm afraid, every time. <laughs> Thank you to Dawn for enlightening me on Twitter. Because, uh, yes, I mean, I have to remember, um, because... Steve Hargrave sent me a Twitter to me. So I haven't, I'm, this is the bit I've not fathomed out yet. And says, aren't we, um, aren't we due a catch-up? Plenty to tell. That's what Steve Hargrave sent me. So I then sent a text back. or an e- I thought I sent a tweet back saying, listen, give me, a, give me a ring on my mobile. And, of course, it should have gone to him, but, of course, it went to everybody. So every single person who subscribes to the, the At Steve Allen show got this thing saying, uh, yep, sort it out, buddy, call me on my mobile. Of course, I was very disappointed because it never rang. But uh, she said, I thought I'd tell you because Steve would have seen it because he's following you on Twitter. But if it had been, he wouldn't have known it was just meant for him. Every one of your 9,566 followers would have seen that tweet to call you in a mobile. Could have been meant for any of us. Ah, depends who's got the number, I suppose. L- Len, good morning. Good morning, Steve. Morning. I'm a bit confused um, about this, this, this copyright malarkey. Yeah, well, I've always uh, understood because Tottenham Football Club had something a few years ago where... Everyone was producing things with a cockerel on them, saying Tottenham Oxford. So they brought out a logo that they put on their shirts and everything. It was a little R in the corner in a circle, which was a registered trademark symbol. Right. And they copyrighted that, and anyone who produced that could have been done, but I don't think they ever did. But the three, the, sorry, the five rings emblem has been out for generations. And does it not have we, a little R? Um, Does it not have a little R in a, in a little circle next to it? I've never seen one on on a on a um, Olympic sign. Never, they never had in the past. And if they had, they've only just brought it out or in the last year or so. Because, mm. and if it's a, if they had already, it's been in the public domain. You cannot you cannot record it as a um, as a copyright if it's been in the public domain. Yeah, because I'm not sure if it's if it's the rings or if it's if it's the symbol. If the rings are the symbol of the Olympic Games, and whether or not the the whole Olympic thing is is copyright. Well, I can understand the twenty the London the special London 2012 one 
you know, with the 20 sitting over the yeah. twelve in a funny shape. That, I could understand that being copyrighted. But also I've just uh, realised that the word Olympic can't be copyrighted because Little Chef had an Olympic-sized breakfast. Oh, yeah, but they still do that. But oh. um, when when it came out, the uh, we got the Olympics, they automatically done something in Parliament to cover their backsides with uh, anything that was existing using the name could keep it. But nobody else from that particular date was allowed to start anything up with the word Olympic in it. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I, I think I think if anyone does it, it's only local trading standards people that can enforce it by all accounts. That's exa- the exactly what it is. It's, it's trading standards coming around. And my, my friend John, they made him take his window display down. Well, I, I, I don't think they can really intrigue... I, I, if I was in business, I'd, I'd try and say, take me to court, because it's only going to be a small fine, if anything. It's only a minor thing. Do you realise you know? that there are over 31 different things that you cannot do to do with the Olympics? There are 31... List, there's a list of 31 things that mean that you cannot use their logo. I, I, I bet other countries never had to go through all this. Yeah. But, of course... Of course, Britain does. And do you know that the word lo- London 2012 is copyrighted? I know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? You know, you know, where, where, you know, you know, someone said, when did that happen? Oh, in London in 2012. Oh, you can't say that. You might got to say something else, you know. And do you know that the word para-Olympic, para-Olympiad, para-Olympian, and their plurals and words very similar to them, are also copyrighted? Uh, I'm not surprised. Have you, so have you heard surprised. of anything so stupid? This is very, very stupid. And as for lighting the flame at the stadium, I think we've got the the right person. When you think of it, the Olympics originated in Greece, didn't they, the first ones? There we go, yes. We've got Prince Philip. It, well, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to live long enough. <laughs> oh, I think he will. Oh, I think I he think will he as well. Can... But I, I, think it, it sh- I think it should be the Queen. I mean, although we don't even know if she's going to the Games... Oh, that queen. I wonder we used to talk about George Michael. Oh, you could go like for that. anybody like that. I don't, I don't mind. We could have an old, old collection of people. I just think it has to be somebody that people should know straight away, not have to be told this is somebody famous who was in the 1940 games or this is, Sir, you know, Roger Bannister or somebody like that. It has to be somebody who's identifiable so that we go, you know, well, even I, if you just use somebody ordinary, you know, a couple of kids or something like that. But I'm totally anti-David Beckham for that. Yeah, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I'm sorry about that. I mean, I know it's... it's you know... I've, I've, had, a, I've got, had a couple of emails from people saying, oh, you're very mean-spirited, he's done loads for the country. I said, he doesn't even live here. He doesn't no. even live here now. He lives out of the country. Most of his business is done. They have a place at Sawbridgeworth, but they come back, you know, very rarely. And when they do come back, they just come back and go for dinner with Gordon Ramsay. They don't, you know, they don't contribute anything to the country. I know he's, I know he's great. I know people love Beckham and all the rest of it. I just think, let's not pander to this. You know, we say, oh, we must find a role for him in the Olympics. Why? Why must you? I was a little bit miffed that Tim Henman's going to be doing something with the flame as well. Another one of our failed tennis players, but don't get me going on failed tennis players. So we're trying to work out who we think should go, but I'm looking at all the all the copyrights on everything. The Olympic symbol is actually copyrighted. The Paralympic motto, Spirit in Motion is also, they have to protect the brand, they've said. They have to protect the brand. I mean, for example, can I plant the Olympic rings in A, our garden, B, outside the town hall, or C, outside the pub? And the answer is, um, wait a minute, here we go, let's have a quick, we have to keep going back and forth on these things. Uh, Yes, 
Planting in your own private garden is fine. In fact, we're encouraging local leaders to do that. If you want to plant a games-themed display outside your town hall or in other public area, then you have to check with us and uh, email London 2012 with your proposal. Uh, they say this sort of display is likely to be approved. Uh, businesses should not use the protected marks. This includes floral displays. However, we don't object to people getting into the spirit by planting in red, white and blue gold or our brand colours like magenta pink. So you can plant the Olympic rings. So that's quite a good idea, isn't it? Uh, can I print supporters' T-shirts for the Games, which include the protected marks? No. Can we run a mini Olympics in the park? Basically, no. You can't do that either, I'm afraid. And uh, can we create Olympic-style medals and torches for our sports day? They say we're happy for generic medals and torches to be created. They shouldn't bear the protected marks, though. They're, they're, they're very keen on this on this protected marks. Uh, loads of the, oh, there's loads of these things here. I mean, it, the, it's it's literally pages and pages and pages and pages of what you can do and what you can't do. Small wonder that trading standards haven't got the faintest idea. I didn't think, actually, putting up some nice old travel posters in, uh, in, in John Warrington's window would be something that would infringe it. It's something that I want to see more of in London. And I would love to see any of the, any of the travel places putting up, you know, some of these old posters, which are certainly around. There's a lovely place in Piccadilly that does lots of famous posters from ski resorts, and they must have loads from the Olympic Games. I think Andy in, uh, in Twickenham, who's got the frame shop, he, he's got some Olympic posters, and he's allowed to have them up on the wall, provided they don't dominate the display. So he's put them on the side wall, and he's just got three of them. So they, they, they've got very strict ruling on what you can put up and what you can't put up. I'm thinking of putting something up on a bacon roll this morning. I don't know. Definitely want to go for something like that. So that's why it's, that's why it's a little bit of a problem. They can't do it because they are protecting the copyright. And there is just pages and pages of it. And it's a minefield. You have to read it very carefully. So if you're thinking of putting something up, you need to check. And uh, all you do is just go into Google and put in using the brand 2012 Olympics. And you'll find there's so much there. It's, um, you'll, you'll lose yourself in it. Because you, you, you won't discover by the end of the day whether or not you can actually put a flag up or you can't. I think you could put up in moderation, but they won't have anybody using marks which they have protected. OK, so I hope that makes it clear to you. And don't forget, if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, you can see exactly where the Olympic torch is going. And uh, everybody had a, You must take as many pictures as possible. Every time I've seen it on, on the television, it really looks like everybody's turned out for it. It's absolutely fantastic. So, uh, so good there, because this is the week. That, uh, that we open up the Olympics and, uh, and the world takes a good close look at us. So let's make sure we're all vigilant. Let's make sure we all enjoy it. And secondly, don't forget that uh, as the temperature soars into the 90s, you're going to be sitting in those lanes while there's going to be an Olympic lane right next door to you, which isn't going to have many people in it. And that starts on Wednesday. Coming up next, though, on LBC 97.3. News at 5 o'clock. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's very nice to have your company this morning. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk or 08456060973. Who do you think should be the person chosen to light the Olympic flame? Anybody but Beckham, I'm afraid, is what we're going for at the moment. News with Sam is next. On FM, on... Morning, Monday morning. It's going to be a scorcher today. It's going to be very hot. So put sunblock on. I don't, I don't say that lightly, believe you me. If it's going to be up to uh, high 80s today and tomorrow it's going to touch 90, you definitely need sunblock on. Of course, isn't it lucky? The kids go on holiday. We've had rain for days and days and months and weeks and good, it seems like years now, doesn't it, really? And then all of a sudden we get some nice weather and just as the, uh, just as the Olympics starts... So that's good news. Robert Rang in Greece, they have the, 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 uh, I think the official airline of Greece is called Olympic Airways. 
And they've got the rings on the side of their plane, been like that for years and years. Well, I suppose because they originated the blooming thing. That's where the games originated, didn't they, in Greece? So I suppose they're, in, they're entitled to do that. But now it's, it's, a, it's a legal minefield of what you, can, what you can do and what you can't do. And when you go onto the, their, uh, their website, it's very interesting. One of them, uh, one of the, uh, the questions, they, they've done suggested questions. Can I use images or footage of previous Olympic and Paralympic games? They say images and footage of previous games may only be used with special permission. Unless you are a London 2012 sponsor, licensee, or you're seeking use for non-commercial or journalistic purposes, you're unlikely to be authorised to use images or footage from the games. Can I use images of athletes in my advent and state they are an Olympian or para-Olympian? No. It's as simple as that. You can't. So you've got to be very... You can't register domain names. Not that I think you would probably want to. But, I mean, I, it does annoy me. I mean, even round here in Leicester Square, not, nothing to do with the Olympic Games. But as you know, we have the half-price ticket booth, which is directly opposite the front door to, to Global Towers, as I prefer to call it. Because I want to get the name changed on the front, so we're all encompassed anyway. So uh, directly over, over, over the road from us, here, outside the front door, is the official London half-price ticket booth from the Society of West End Theatre. Round the corner, there's somebody with a big sign up saying, official half-price ticket booth. It's not. These people are touts. But they're all operating all the way along there. And they've all got the same thing. Official half-price ticket booth. They're not official, anything. The only official one is the one directly opposite our front door. But you see people queuing for all these, these tickets, and you think... These people, they're not official at all. They're just people selling tickets. The other thing I've discovered the other day, and I've never seen so many people queuing for it, Baker Street. 221B Baker Street, as you know, is the fictional home of Sherlock Holmes. He never existed. It was ne- He never lived in this place because he didn't exist. It was just a book. There was no Sherlock Holmes. Everything. People were queuing around the block to go in to this little house... And there's a fake policeman standing on the front door who, who I think you have your picture taken with or something like that. And people queue to go in this house. You think, but this is just made up. It's like, it's like going into sort of Disneyland and going, Mickey Mouse really lives here. Yeah, he really does, with Pluto as well. They all live in this house. It's a similar kind of thing. But there must have been a good hundred people queuing there to go in. You feel like winding down the window going, he never existed. There was no Sherlock Holmes in London. There was no Hound of the Baskervilles. It was a story. You know, and they made up this... This ad- I'd love to know who owns the house, 200, the, the, the 221B Baker Street, because they've been allowed to sort of... It's a commercial enterprise now. I mean, I've never been in it, so I've got no idea what it's like. It's imagine, probably just a, an old London house, and they furnished it up with some old tatty furniture and tried to pretend that's what it would have been when Sherlock Holmes lived there. But, of course, as he's made up anyway. But I was just amazed at how people bought into it. But then people go to Hogwarts, don't they? People go, But you know it's a film set, don't you? I'm assuming people know it's a film set. I'm hoping you know it's a film set. So if you want to know anything about the Olympics using the brand, just go on to Google and everything, everything could be there. Uh, Jeff reckons that uh, Pudsey, how did you do with your hot water tap, Steve, says Malcolm. I did it. I went, I bought um, a spare tap. Well, actually, you end up getting two. It's a shame, really, that nobody asks you... um, well, you only want one tap, and uh, and I lost the screw at the top. So I had everything. I did it. I put the put the the new tap on because you can just put a head on, and uh, screwed on the little thing. Comes with a little um, little Allen key, named after me, and you put it in there, which is which is fantastic. And then I put the top on. Then yesterday I found the screw that went on the top. Screwed that on there, perfecto. So I actually managed it by myself. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh. Uh, what has what has the Queen done? Are you joking? She's a strain on the country. No, she's not. 
she generates far more income for the country than uh, David Beckham generates. David Beckham doesn't generate anything for the country at all. Doesn't gen- not a god at all. He's a, he's a past-it footballer with a wife who's stick-thin, who, who's only out there to model her own stuff. That's why she went to, uh, went to Wimbledon. She was sitting there wearing her own stuff. She was playing Brand Beckham. So I didn't have any problem with that. That's what she does. But uh, to be honest with you, I don't know anybody who would buy David Beckham's, uh, Victoria Beckham's stuff. But no, no, the Queen generates more. In fact, she gives more to the country back. She doesn't even take all of her, uh, all of her stuff there. Very hard training uh, regime from Lorraine, says Neil. The Olympic breakfast, which was her, uh, which with her cooking was tough. You know I won gold every time I had one. I haven't entered this year, but I thought I'd give somebody else the chance. <laughs> Dean says, everybody's favourite sports, beach, volleyball and synchronised swimming. Are they included in the, uh, in the Paralympic Games? I think they're in the normal games, aren't they? Synchronised swimming is because Robin Cousins uh, has done the choreography for it. And uh, the volleyball they're doing down at um, Horse Guards Parade. That's where they're going to be doing volleyball, which is uh, very exciting. Uh, if you want to represent Greece, light the flame with Euro notes and retire immediately. There you go. And, uh, and Buddy says, will Olympic Airways be allowed to land at Heathrow? They carry the name and the Olympic logo. I know, but as I said, because they are actually people there, you know, because it, it, it originated from that, I suppose they're entitled to do it. I don't, I don't honestly know how it works. But um, I think uh, Roger Bannister's already taken part in lighting the Olympic flame, says Sue. All right. Uh, how about Anne Whittacombe for the flame job? Anne Whittacombe. And that funny little vibrato voice of hers, which would be good. Uh, Barbara Windsor could light the flame. Yes. Yes, she could. And uh, another one here. It has to be Bradley Wiggins. Brilliant to have won the Tour de France and perfect timing to make him the right person to light that torch. Yes, I mean, I suppose so. But, honestly, at the end of the day, it's only somebody cycling, isn't it? It's not really that exciting. You know, somebody won the Tour de France. I mean, I, I frankly don't care about it. It's not, not the kind of thing, you know, because luckily we're a free country. We don't all have to get excited about the same thing. You know, I get excited about different things. Certainly not about cyclists, I'm afraid. Bane of my life every morning trying to cross. I've shouted obscenities at more cyclists than I've shouted at anybody in my entire life. Because they insist on jumping red lights. There's going to be a major accident at some point. We've had, a, we've had quite a few in Twickenham already, where cyclists have, have, have jumped the light and a car coming the opposite direction has just taken them out. Uh, Pudsey. <laughs> Pudsey could light. Uh, another one here. <laughs> How about the Go Compare guy to light the, uh, light the Olympic flame, says Fizz. Yes, Go Compare. And then you could have Sue Barker taking him out, couldn't you, at the same time, which would be very good. Steve Allen, pay £50 and you get a pass to drive in the 2012 lane, says Alex. Uh, if only it was so simple. If only it was so simple. Just remember, £130, £130 fine if you go in the, uh, in the lane from Wednesday. That comes in on Wednesday, OK? But don't worry, we'll give you, give you plenty of advance warning. Uh, Atlanta did the arrow lighting, but it missed and uh, was lit very quickly by hand. TV picked up on it later on. Yes, didn't it go... So- it, it went completely off course, I think. I think it's, something happened. Uh, the, the, that rings a vague bell. Rings a vague bell. Um, Jeff says, agree with you. If not the Queen, why not Harry doing a little run? It's going to be a fantastic period for us. The critics will be lambasted as I will be waving my flag proudly. Yes, you and me together. We've got to be positive about it. Come on, it's, it's just practically on top of us. Practically on top of us. I just want bunting up. Uh, Another one here. This is from... This is from... Oh, Mark the Bailiff's up. He said, I was standing... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> OK, I was standing at the bar when a girl came up to me. Fancy buying a drink? Uh, fancy buying me a drink, she said. Sure, I said. 
if you let me choose. OK, she grinned, but how will you know what I want? Well, it's a kind of talent, I smiled. All I do is look a girl up and down and know exactly what drink suits her best. OK, she giggled, you choose for me. So I turned to the barman and said, Diet Coke, mate. That is so cruel. That is so cruel. You've been watching The Only Way is Essex again. The door opened and there's Arge, the beached whale, on his bed. And who totters in? Lauren Goodger. In a pair of shoes she couldn't walk in. She walked in like... You know you see these old programmes about Japan where people are walking in in clogs, but they can't quite walk... She looked like that. So she sits down on the bed, poor soul, because it's either that or she was going to fall over. And she goes, because, like, you know, you're like... You're not even a friend of mine no more, she goes, talking in this funny little three-year-old voice that she's got. And I felt a bit sorry for her because I'm assuming somebody must have said to her, you know, we're trying to make up storylines, so can you fall out with Arge? Because he wasn't remotely bothered because you know what he's like? He's just the fat bloke who pigs out on everything. And uh, and she said, what's all this with you and Gemma? All their voices go up at the end. with you and Gemma? Like that. And so he says, well, you know, she gives me what I want. And she went, it's not serious, is it? They're all, all the way through the programme. Poor old Lauren, otherwise known as the fishwife. That's the foul-mouthed one. And then there was another piece of the paper. I've cut it, but I'll mention it now. Uh, they're so desperate to keep Sam for ears on the programme. You know Sam and her dreary sister, the two that trowel the makeup on. Well, the funny thing was yesterday, they, they were out in Marbella, and, uh, and Mario, who's the tattooed bloke, I use the term loosely, who's going out with Lucy, Lucy Mecklenburg. Also, her little voice goes up at the end... Every time she says something. And so she's out there in the middle of this heat, OK, in full makeup. She's She's sitting on a yacht wearing another one of her tarty page three outfits. And Mario goes down on one knee. I mean, I'd have pushed him off the end of the boat, to be honest with you, because he's such a drip. And, uh, and she's covered in makeup. And I'm thinking, you're in the middle of a heat wave and you've got lippy on. What are you, dumb? And so then so they have all these sort of fake scenario setups. And, and Mario, I think, proposed to her. I thought, thank God for that. That keeps two people off. It won't last, as you can well imagine, the same way that the, the Gemma Collins thing and Arge won't last either. Because it's... Oh, of course, they, well, put it this way, you have to get... She's another one. She's not... She, she said a comment the other day on the programme, and I'm surprised nobody picked it up. And they're, they're in um, a Japanese restaurant... And the man is cutting in front, cooking in front of them. And she goes, oh, I don't know. Because she talks a bit like that. And her voice goes up at the end as well, actually. And, and she goes, oh, when, when Jackie Chan over here is finished, I thought, is that a racist comment, Gemma? Sounded a bit racist to me. I immediately made a mental note to log it in my, in my little book of stupid things that Gemma says. In fact, actually, to be honest with you, most things that Gemma says turn out to be very stupid things. I mean, she's another one. She's not bright. How she ever sold cars, God alone knows. But uh, more on the For Ears Sisters. That's the shop where nobody appears to go into. Coming up on the free podcast a little bit later on. Quick time check for you. Quarter past five. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. Roads in central London will look very different this morning after work on the... Famous Arge quote from the Anywhere's Essex. Gemma's a lovely girl. I'm lucky to be with her. Lucky to have anybody, really, aren't you, I suppose? But after Lydia Dim, I suppose anything is downhill after that. And uh, poor old Gemma, not the brightest penny in the box. I loved it when she stood at the swimming pool and went, you can kiss my... And she did that and then sort of wobbled away in sort of like a, like a, one of those things that wobbled. A weeble, I think, and they never fell over. And that's exactly what she looked like. I mean, there was enough cellulite to start a, a small shop, I thought, as she wandered away. But, I mean, and she goes, I'm a beautiful girl. And I thought, unfortunately, you're not. Beauty comes from within. And the only thing that emanates from you is just filth, I'm afraid. Uh, Paul says, I'm sure you've seen it, but with all this fuss about logos and stuff, I was sure I remembered a lovely film with Bill Travers about the Olympic Games. And so I've ordered it. It's called Geordie. 
And it tells the story of a young man who gets into the team to represent the country at the Melbourne Olympics, but insists on wearing a kilt. Yes, I, I have a copy of the film. There's loads of people in it. Uh, Alistair Sim, uh, Stanley Baxter, Raymond Huntley. Uh, lighting the flame this time around, why not a lady who did so much for more than Ireland's sport? Mary Peters won the pentathlon in 82. The arrow lit the flame in Barcelona which was 92, and best wishes to Junior, who had just come out of his, uh, out of his chemo, actually. I got a, uh, an email from Junior the other day, because he's been backwards. Of a, lot of, a lot of you are doing, doing chemo at the moment. But he said, I've just had two days and I'm finished. He said, uh, I said I've been listening now for five years. He said, I'm just a novice. You are just a novice, actually. When you think I've got people who've been listening for 30 years, but five years, doesn't matter. He says, I heard you talk about your dislike at the thought of cider. I love it. He said, uh, not... Not the cheap variety. That's just cheap chemicals with virtually no apples. Somebody told me about a really nice cider. It's a pear cider. A pear cider made by some company. But apparently they just started stocking it at the Magic Circle. And it's only because my brother had a, had a bottle of pear, pear cider. He said, do you want to try it? I said, no, thank you. No, definitely not for me. He says, but uh, Junior's going to have one or two on Wednesday, he said, when the chemo finishes. He says, and a big thank you to Noreen. For, uh, for cheering me on. So, uh, so good luck with that. I'm glad it's all worked out well, which is uh, very nice indeed. Birthday to celebrate later. But actually, I think we've got a couple of birthdays today on the programme. There's probably more than two, but uh, two from the, from the fold. I think it's uh, our Neil. We think he's 38. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think so. We don't think 38. No, Kevin had his birthday the other day. Lots of brands do pear cider. And you can also now get summer fruit cider and elderflower and lime. I just can't do cider. I just, every time I think cider, I think students. I think cheap drunks, I'm afraid. I never think anything else apart from cheap drunks, cider and snake bites. Not that I've ever had a snake bite. Um, one here. Oh, yeah, sorry. Just going back to Dawn again. Thank you so much for, for explaining how that works. I shall, I shall try and remember to do that. I shall try and remember to do that. If I can't manage it, I shall, I shall get somebody else to do it for me. Uh, other stories in the, uh, in the papers today. Uh, they've got the the Batman maniac. He's so far, this is uh, James Holmes, he's still acting like the Joker in prison. Um, he's, uh, he's not said a word to them. And I don't think he's going to say anything when he appears in court coming up. Uh, the, the Sun have exposed a, a chilling passport and visa racket that would allow potential terrorists to infiltrate the heart of the London Olympics. And uh, that's inside the paper today. The Sun exposes the terror threat in Pakistan. Then they've got Bradley Wiggins and his son. His son's got a little bike that mirrors his dad's, which is quite sweet, actually. I quite like that. I quite like that. Here's little Tamara, who, uh, who's, uh, who's now out. But luckily, she's got Max Clifford looking after her. So you'll be reading lots of stories about how rich she is and how she's just an ordinary person and how her sister lives in a £48 million mansion and they've got £300,000 cars. So in fact, just, that, just the same as me and you. We're all exactly the same, aren't we? And then there's a the story of the transgender pupil. This is the, the boy who wants to be a girl and is going under, at the moment, they call it gender real, realignment. And so, re, gender reassignment... Um, and so he turns up at school dressed, you know, he's had hair extensions put in and, um, and they went, no, no. So he goes home and he picks up a copy of the law on sex discrimination, which includes specific legislation on the treatment of transgenders and transsexuals. And he went straight back to the headmaster, went there. So they sat him at the back of the room while he was dressed as a, a girl. He's still a boy. 
He's only he's, he's undergoing uh, things at the moment, so they just had to sort of point out. He said, it's sad. People can't be more open-minded. I've lost a lot of friends because of things I've been through, and I really didn't need to lose the support of my teachers. He has lived openly as a, a girl at home for two years, but has toned down the appearances at school to avoid abuse. Uh, she's been spat at and hit in the streets. Well, I can imagine. I can well imagine. This isn't, uh, this isn't in London. This is... Where are we here? I think we're in Wales. I think we're in Wales. I'm not too sure, actually. Um, but I remember this is a string of clashes that this particular person has had before, because the last one was over swimming. We had this. And it seems to be the year for transgender pupils. Ashleen uh, Param originally turned up in tight skirt and blazer, was told to go home and put some bloke's clothes on, and then didn't. So that's, that's when it all went. It's, oh, it's in Boston, in Lincolnshire. So I'm assuming the further you get up the country, the dumber they actually become. But if you've had somebody who they think is is just a gay man, it's like at the moment you have Big Brother where they have um, a woman on there who wants to be a man. But she's not had an operation to be a man. She is still technically a woman. Everything is is uh, is intact apart from the two bits up the top, I think. And in fact, I think, I'm assuming because of the drugs, it gives her a very manly voice. But it's still a woman. It's still a woman, and I'm assuming once people go through it, but they, they're very keen to talk about it. So this one here is in the paper today. It doesn't look anything like a woman, but then it doesn't really matter what somebody looks like on the outside. It's what they feel like on the inside. You know, it's, it's a hell of a journey that he or she is actually going to go through, and they will suffer abuse. I remember when they did it on the television, they did a documentary. It was called George to Julia, and it was Julia Grant who, uh, who went through this on television. They actually showed the whole thing. At one point, somebody tried to set fire to his flat. You know, people are so sort of, so intolerant of people that they don't understand anything about. I can imagine, though, if, you know, if you're quite feisty and you're 16 years old and you turn up at school and you go, listen, I'm going through gender realignment, OK? You can't discriminate against me. You can't say this to me. The school are going to go, well, you're going to go home and put men's clothes on. No, I'm not. And if you don't allow me to do this, I'll take you to court. And, the, and to be honest with you, the school would have lost. They absolutely would have lost because there are laws protecting people now. Didn't used to be. Didn't used to be. Nowadays, you know, nobody can pick on you at work because you're black, white, pink, green, gay, straight, you know, sleep with squirrels. Well, I'm, admittedly, the squirrel thing is probably pushing it a bit too far. But uh, now there are laws that, that, that protect people. And so there should be. Because for years and years, people just got bullied out of work. Uh, Arge, we've just we found this little bit from Arge. And uh, he says, don't expect wedding bells soon. He said, we've not been together long. Gemma likes to say we're the Essex Posh and Becks. She's even more stupid than you imagine, isn't she? The Posh and Becks. It returns tonight for the sixth series and Arge is now the only remaining male character from the original series. They have to get rid of him. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't appear to have a job. He doesn't appear to have any conversation. He's not interesting. He's not funny. He's, he's nothing at all. Uh, I think you have to get rid of him. I think we have to get rid of Joey Essex and his spotty friends. I've never seen so many spots, honestly. It's like an advert for Clearasil. And you have to get rid of, I think, Sam for Ears and her dreary sister, because they're both as boring as planks. And uh, Sam for Ears is a bit in the paper. I was going to use it on the special free podcast. And it's the story that she's apparently so popular that they've offered her lots of money to stay. Nobody gets offered loads of money on the only way is Essex, I'm afraid. They're not... Put it this way, it wouldn't make the slightest difference if she went. People would carry on watching the series. Nobody watches it for... They don't go, oh, I think I'll watch it for Sam for ears to find out who she's sleeping with this week. You don't, you don't do that. You just turn on the programme and you watch it. You don't know any of the people in it. You just know that they're all a bit simple and they all live in Brentwood. 
And that's all that we need to tell you. And then I, of course, have the embarrassment of saying, I also used to live in Brentwood. But luckily, there was nobody as ghastly as this down there. They're all sort of, you know, larger-than-life characters. They're sort of people who've been elevated, but they've started believing the publicity. You know, you know it's desperate when somebody writes to you and says, I'm a businesswoman. And you think, like, Harry Durbridge is a businesswoman, sort of. He's got to be so camp. Can't be anything else but a businesswoman. And he's, he's now got a clothes shop. You think, the whole of Brentwood High Street must be overrun with these naff clothes shops, because they've all got them. Amy Childs occasionally pops into her thing, but she's that's so busy. She pitched up on a show this week. Unfortunately, it was a bit embarrassing. She didn't realise that she was there to have the mickey taken out of her. She sat there playing it straight, and they just they just took the mickey, I'm afraid. So, never mind. Perhaps no, nobody told her, I'm afraid. Um, I seem to recall a Bond scene made to use at the opening ceremony. We could have Bond lighting the flame. Yes, I think so. Yes, I think so. Um... Apparently, says Martin, 100 UK millionaires created on Friday. The, yes, they've got £100 million, haven't they? Does that mean it could go to just one person? Oh, I love the idea. £100 million. I'd buy a big, big house. Big, big house and then do nothing. I don't know what you do after that. Like you, I never drank cider, says Johnny. On a hot day, have a, a bottle of uh, Magnus over ice and you're in heaven and hooked. Yes, I mean, it, it, it's quite... Is it alcoholic cider? It is, isn't it? I think, is it alcoholic? Is it as alcoholic as sort of having a vodka and tomato juice or something like that? Um, See, uh, how about, if you're relighting the Olympic flame, since the centre of the stadium looks like a village green, how about the entire cast of Camberwick Green, including Windy Miller, says Brian. Thank you. Um, the, uh, The flame... He's being carried through Walford by Billy Mitchell in EastEnders. Why not let him finish the job? Yes, he is. He's do- they're doing it in EastEnders. They have to reflect it, don't they? Which is good. Robbie Coltrane could light the flame. And uh, <laughs> Prince Philip should definitely light it. Very supportive of the Queen, says Angela. Princess Anne, she's a former Olympian and a royal. Um, and Jenny and Mitchum says apparently Bradley Wiggins was not born in Great Britain. No, he was born in uh, Belgium. But I mean, who cares? He's, he's still British. He's still British. It doesn't make the slightest difference where, you know, where he was born. It was two years old. At two years old, he, he, he sort of came over here, and that's it, as far as I'm concerned. He's British. I don't know what he sees himself as. He probably thinks he's, he's British as well. When you're two years old, you don't really think of anything like that, do you? Um, so, we, we, a lot of people suggesting Princess Anna. She have just found some more. Been involved in equestrian sport. And uh, another one here. Sherlock Holmes didn't exist. What do you mean? I've seen his house, the films, and read his books. I know, it was these que- this queue of people who were queuing to go into a fictional house. It's all a bit bizarre, isn't it? I remember going to do a feature on Disney years ago, and they'd opened up a new bit of the park, and they and they put a new ride in. And so I said to the to the woman who was who was showing me around, I said, "What what what was here before?" And she went, "It's always been here." I said, "No, what was on the, the, this ground before you put this this uh, ride on with these things in?" And she went, "It's always been here." And they believe the whole the whole Disney doctrine was that, you know, you, you don't destroy the myth. You know, they are characters. And if you go backstage at Disney, there's a big sign because there was some poor kid who was traumatised, who was ill, got taken backstage at Disney and saw a lot of people sitting there without the character heads on. They were all sitting on little posts, and everything, which is where they all go and rest because there's a limit to how much time you can stand there with people pouring you and having your picture taken. So I could quite understand it. Very interesting, though. It's LBC 97.3. It's 530 News headlines with Sam Pillar. So just be uh, just be aware. Keep listening to the uh, the travel reports on LBC ninety seven point three. Make sure we we get you there in one piece. Ray Winston says uh, Martin. Good idea. Good idea. And uh, this is the person who we think should be um, 
should be lighting the Olympic flame. Uh, no, 100 million to be shared by 100 people, so a million pound each. So much better to spread the wealth, says Martin. Oh, right, so 100... Well, how, what, they're, they're pulling out 100 different numbers then for it. How's that going to work? Is it just going to be the, uh, the one... Oh, is, is, is it the one person? So, so in other words, if, if my numbers come up, I'm only going to get a million pounds. Well, I don't want to play that game, do I? I want to, I want to win 100 million. I want to win 100 million. I, I definitely want to win 100 million. There's no point in doing it. You know, unless you're going to win that. It'll be so much easier. Um, Richard from Rochester says, why would a guy like you watch The Only Way is Essex? I'm sure most people listening have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, don't be so silly. Don't be so silly. Of course they know. Everybody knows what it is. I mean, perhaps you don't know. And, uh, and I get paid for talking about it. So that's why I would watch it. Oh, I'm addicted to it. And it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. I'm a bit disappointed. Somebody needs to explain this 100 million. So, in other words, they're going to pull out 100 numbers and that will generate 100 million pounds for 100 people. So, it'll generate a million pounds each. But how do they know if somebody's actually got those tickets? A bit confusing, isn't it? Can we find out more on that one? Just so I'm, I'm a bit confused by that one. Because I was hoping I was going to win 100 million to add to the 58 million. I never won the other week either. Uh, Victor lives in Thailand. And he says, uh, I love your rants, they're the same as mine. I live in Thailand now and life is a lot less stressful, even though I teach here. He says, maybe you should come and live in Thailand and do your programme using a data link. <laughs> he said, I really enjoy it if you could tell us exactly what things you like and what you don't like. Every day we tell you that. Every day we tell you. Uh, buying a vintage car, says Pat. She says, I sent you details of the Countess of Warwick show and the classic car section set up by Paul and Andy Woods. That's P&A Woods. Uh, and they're based in Essex, and they sell Bentleys and Rolls Royces and everything else. They've got a mass- magnificent setup for selling and restoring Bentleys. Look at their site. Oh, I've, I've been on it almost weekly, hoping, of course, Pat, that I'm going to win the lottery and I can go down and buy a fantastic Rolls Phantom. That that would just that would just you know that would be lovely. That would be lovely. Steve, on Friday, a hundred people win the million pound raffle, not the main draw. All oh, right, it's a oh, it's a raffle. I'm very confused by this. So, right, Paul. Do you, no, under- do you understand this? Yeah, they've done it before. I think we had 20 before. Basically, you, your numbers, if you get them, you still get the big one. But there's also like a little raffle number at the bottom, like three letters and six digits. Right. They'll print 100 of those. So what happens if... So, so I've, I've, I've got tickets that, that roll over for Euro yeah, Millions. So you, yeah, but also under those tickets is your raffle number. Right. So oh, if you right. had the, the numbers up on that, you've won the 100 million or whatever it is. <gasps> Sorry, Dave. you've also got a chance to nick another million. Oh, Nice. That, <laughs> I, I quite like the idea of that, you know. Yeah, no, it's not bad. If you, you snatch your bill in time for Christmas, you know what I mean? Do you know, in, in time for anything. <laughs> not bothered <laughs> about Christmas. The idea, a million, what would you do with a million quid? Get me car fixed. Get your, uh, what sort of car <laughs> are you driving? <laughs> it's a Renault, and I hope Renault are listening. <laughs> is, it, is it falling apart on you? Yeah, it's too new to be doing it, but hopefully they'll sort it out. Of course they will. Otherwise, Renault will be wrapped over that. They're normally quite good and reliable, Renault. They're, they're normally quite quite good for things yeah, like no, that. Yeah, that's one of them grand scenics. Apparently they have a lot of faults, oh, nice. but that's neither here nor there. Right, <laughs> so are, are you arguing with them? I've, um, I'm a show for Steve as well, so yeah. I've got some, you know, I know a little bit about cars. So I sort of told them I know this and that. It's not what they're saying. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, the, the ball's in my court. Good. Well, I wish you well. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Paul. God bless. Bye, Steve. Bye. Bye. Actually, that's a, we used to have a guy on LBC years ago called Gerard Sauer, and he knew everything about cars. This man was an absolute... In fact, all, all the experts that we ever took on were absolute geniuses, but out of everybody, and I love them all to pieces, uh, Gerard Sauer, 
was the one. Somebody would come on and say, I've got a Renault, you know, 1985, and it's doing this, and he'd say, ah, now this was a problem that they had with them, and he knew everything about cars, and he didn't read it, it came off the top of his head. He was, I mean, he was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He'd, I'd sit here and I'd marvel at his knowledge of motor vehicles. I know nothing about motor cars. I, I know now, if a little sign comes on, check engine, I know that that could be the one thing on my car. Stupid though it may seem, unless you turn the petrol cap three times, it doesn't lock properly, so it provides an airlock and it says check engine. I had a thing the other day, engine coolant. I now know... Wait till the next day, undo the coolant thing, pour in water. We use water in it, actually. We don't, we don't need to use coolant. So we put water in. And so I, I can do things like that. The other day, I had to put air in one of the tyres. And on my one, you have to undo this nut here and put this extra bit on there. And, the, and to be honest with you, it's such a faff. It really is. You don't like doing it in garages because it just takes for ages. You just don't think you should see a car like mine in a, in a, in a garage having this sort of thing done. So I try and find a quiet car park and do it at the back. <laughs> Which is a bit, bit of a swizz, I know. Bit of a swizz, but you have to do it. But, I mean, I'm, I'm very envious of anybody who knows anything about cars. Years ago, I could just about change a, a spark plug, but I never knew the gap. You had to put it in there and bang them on the pavements. But we did. We, we, we did a lot of things ourselves. Nowadays, I wouldn't dream of touching an engine. In fact, actually, all the people... I got a, a thing, actually, stuck on my windscreen the other day from a guy in Isleworth, who obviously sort of services cars like mine, and he stuck it on the windscreen, which I was quite pleased with, actually, because I, I, I knew that there were other people around who sort of looked after cars. I'm very, very loyal to where I, where I go to, though. Very loyal. You have to be. You get, you get the best service, and that makes me very, very happy. Other stories in the papers today. Britain's first ever Tour de France winner, so we should be very grateful for that, uh, apart from the fact that he, he comes from Belgium. Well, he was born in Belgium, but he's now, he's now British. And... Um, and there's and some lovely pictures. I love the picture of him and his son. His son's little bike mirrors his, his dad's. Because when you see them cycling on together, it looks really funny. So I'm very, very happy there for him. And he's done very well. Also, the Olympics, the person standing on the carriage. I mean, that is a view and a half. I mean, you'd pay money for that. You'd pay money for that. Oh, I, I wouldn't actually do the thing where somebody, somebody abseiled down. Somebody abseiled down. And um, I remember thinking... Do you know, nothing on earth would actually get me to do that. I would scream all the way down it. Um, Amy Winehouse, who died a year ago today, is still one of the top pop music acts, selling 1.2 million albums in the past 12 months. I think 500,000 singles were bought in Britain. The, uh, the albums Frank and Back to Black leapt back into the charts after she died of alcoholic poisoning at her home in Camden. Posthumous album Lioness Hidden Treasures sold 194,000 copies in a week. So, uh, so, as they say, bigger in, in death than in life. Like so many, like so many uh, artists nowadays. Uh, Jim Shelley is talking about Thelma's Gypsy Girls. He said there's enough Gypsy Girls and enough Thelma. It's a very dreary, boring programme, I'm afraid. Uh, doing quite well, he says, Victoria Pendleton. I know people who can't stand her. I'm so bored with Victoria Pendleton. Every time you see her, it's another photo opportunity. She's becoming as dreary as Kelly Brook, I'm afraid. But um, the, uh, the knockout scousers, the true stories, working-class Olympic hopefuls, is uh, right to the top of his list, which is great. And there's a top chef who stormed... I've never heard of him. But he stormed off a cookery show and said the pressure of the cameras made him consider suicide. His name's Johnny Mountain. I've never even heard of him. And they say a top chef. Anyway, uh, he was on the Great British Menu and he was rude to one of the chefs on that he was marked two out of ten for a fish dish. And in a documentary tonight, he tells Ruby Wax that the show sparked depression. 
because Ruby Wax, as you know, suffers from depression, so she's making a programme about depression. So she's got him on there. And I always think, if you suffer from depression and, you, and you're a chef who's stormed off a programme, then don't go on another programme. It's like, it's like the embarrassing bodies, isn't it? You're, you're so embarrassed about your body, you're going on a television programme showing people that, uh, that your body is, is, uh, is a terrible embarrassment. And I never quite understand that. I just assume it's people who want to show off. I'm just assuming it's people for whom there's something missing in their life. Uh, it, I tell you what is good for you. Every, every week we try and find something that is supposed to be good for you, whether it's an apple a day, whether it's watermelon. In the case today, it's a glass of orange juice every day, which makes you more beautiful. You do not need to spend money on uh, on face creams rubbish you really do you don't need to put lippy on no 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 just 200 millilitres contains 60 milligrams of vitamin c which is all of our recommended daily amount now i remember somebody talking about vitamin c years ago and people saying it's very good for you and somebody saying well you know vitamin c will stave off colds and flus and somebody said to me no 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 you would have to literally eat an entire orange grove for vitamin C to stave off anything like colds. If you're going to get a cold and flu, no matter how much orange juice you've drunk, you're still going to get it. Otherwise, they'd be handing out orange juice to us diabetics, you know, to stave off the... Uh, the way. It's supposed to boost your immune system. No, only in volume, but they're talking like serious amounts. You know, it used to be, oh, drink, drink some orange juice today and that's really good for you. That's how they sold orange juice. You go into the supermarkets now, what, what is the biggest section? Juice. Juice everything. Pomegranate, this, mango. Oh, I love mango, but I shouldn't drink it. I really shouldn't drink it. And there's all sorts of juices out there. I went through a phase of drinking beetroot juice. Beetroot juice. It's, I bought it in Waitrose because somebody said it's really good for you. So, of course, I'm, I'll, I'll buy into a fad quite easily. So I thought, I'll go and buy some, uh, some beetroot juice. I bought this pure beetroot juice. And to be honest with you, I love it. I really do like it. But then I forget about things after a while. And so I opened up the fridge the other day and I've still got three quarters of a bottle of this beetroot juice. The one thing I'm still drinking tons of is coconut water. I can't get enough of that, this Vito Loco stuff. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I buy another one in, uh, we've got a little Chinese takeaway down next to Michael, the hairdresser's place. And he does coconut water with coconut bits in it. Which is really nice. So occasionally I keep those in the in the fridge as well. It's nice, nice. To, I'm 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 convincing myself it's good for me. I'm convincing myself that it's good for you because it's got potassium. And then somebody says you don't want that much potassium. It's like bananas. You don't want to eat loads and loads of bananas. One banana a day would be considered okay. I'm looking at some lovely pictures from London 1908, which are in the uh, the Mirror today. And uh, this is uh, this is the good old days. They say the good gold days. Uh, they've got an aquatic centre, the winner's podium, a gymnasium, the athletics track and the velodrome. The man who's doing the announcing has got a big horn that he's, uh, you know, he's sort of like a speaker phone kind of thing. The pool was set in the middle of it. Then they've got Ireland thrashing Germany 3-1 in the bicycle polo. The bicycle po- There's nobody in the stands. It's deserted, completely deserted for the 1908. And then they've got um, one of the few disciplines allowing women in, archery. So they've got pictures of women doing, doing archery. The bike king, the British cyclist, Ben Jones, 5,000-metre cycle winner. But it's, it's looking at the fact that there's nobody there. And you've also got women from the Danish gymnastics team training, and they're doing their stretches. It's all looked very terribly graceful. It's amazing how it's moved on now. There's not one sponsor's logo anywhere. 
There's nothing. There's, there's no mention of McDonald's or anything else. I'm looking at people on the television and they're, they're doing the Olympic rings. I wish they'd done them in colours, you know. I wish they'd done them in colours so at least you know where it is. Because, frankly, you know, as you're driving over something, you can't see it, can you? Unless you're driving a glass-bottomed car, which is pretty unusual in this... Uh, th- and it's going to cause chaos. You'll ha- just have to remember to get out of that Olympic lane. The moment it starts, they, I mean, I'm, they've got banks of cameras... They can get your number plate. When I used to work at New Scotland Yard years ago in the traffic department, I used to go to New Scotland Yard. Very posh. And uh, you sit there, and they've got all the cameras. And you, you could do the same upstairs, only this one was good because you had a little joystick. And you could move the joystick around. You could home in on car number plates. You could see even what brand of cigarettes somebody was smoking. The cameras are that good. So don't think you're going to get away with it from Wednesday. Because from Wednesday, they're going to be clocking cars left, right and centre. And believe you me, those £130 fines will be landing on doorsteps very soon. I'll tell you one thing the Olympics has, uh, has brought us. Have you seen the super yachts? Oh, my goodness me. Paul Allen, who, of course, is the, uh, the co-founder of Microsoft, uh, he's had this. This was, at its time... The, uh, the biggest super yacht in the world. It's moored in, in London at the moment. It's at Canary Wharf. You should really go down and have a look. This thing is the biggest thing you've ever seen. It's 414 foot long. It has seven tenders aboard. This is his. He owns it. He's, he's also just bought another one, I think, uh, Tatouche. And it's also got uh, a pool, two submarines... One of them operated by remote control to study the bottom of the ocean. And he's also got... On, and there's two, two helicopters on board. And, and, the, uh, and the other thing it's got is it's actually got um, a, a boat within a boat. It's a 65-foot yacht inside the middle of it. I mean, you have to go onto the internet and have a look at it. But if, if you're around Canary Wharf, go, it dwarfs everything. You, you cannot believe this is one man's boat. And I think Roman Abramovich has, has got something fairly big as well. It obviously is, you know, with, with the super rich now, they like them. But we're, we're lucky that we've actually got a few of them in town. And they're well worth going to see. So it's uh, Octopus. Uh, I love the uh, tattoosh as well. He's obviously a big fan of, uh, of Bond. I think uh, in, uh, it's been fitted out inside, uh, made, made by German builders in Bremen and in Kiel. And the uh, interior... I think is by a designer from uh, from Seattle. You can't. I'm telling you, I'd love to see the inside of it. Love to see, imagine getting a free tour around a ship because it's a ship. I mean, they, they call it a mega yacht. I mean, anything less like a yacht, it's absolutely enormous, absolutely enormous. So it would have a crew of at least a hundred, I should imagine. I'm looking at sort of oh my, I'm just even looking at the pools on board. It it's pretty fantastic. It really is. Oh, my God. And that's the what? What on earth is that? That's the control thing for it. Good Lord. You have to go onto the Internet. It'll, it'll freak you out. But they're in London at the moment. Some of the, some of the big super yachts all in, uh, all in time for the Olympics. So they'll be staying. The, not, not for them booking into a hotel, ladies and gentlemen. Good Lord, no. Uh, Steve, I live in the West Midlands. Bunting. Up here, it's Olympics. What Olympics? Bring on the football. I would put some up myself, says June. But I'm coming down for the tennis and the archery. Don't want to draw too much attention to my, uh, my house while I'm away. Uh, in 1908, no sponsors, says Steve. The games were strictly amateurs only. I know, it's so funny looking at the pictures of them, though. They've got the Olympic, the Olympic yacht. Graham in his lorry says, how did you get on with your doctors? I've not been back. I've not been back. I'm going to be in such trouble. This was last week when, on Friday, never done it before, I get an appointment uh, for the doctor for Thursday, and on Friday I was talking about something and I suddenly went, oh, I forgot to go to the doctors yesterday. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know how I actually missed it, because I'm normally quite good at remembering things, because I'm running out of tablets this week, so I'll have to go and see them in the, in the, uh, the chemist in goods. Get Mr. Charles to sort it all out for me. So I'm probably on Thursday going. But I've got such a busy week this week because I've got to go out to the theatre. Then we're going to record them for the Chariots of Fire, which will be for, for this coming weekend, which is good. So looking forward to that. Uh, Please, God, the flame isn't lit, says Will, by one of our boring has-been celebrities like McCartney or Beckham. Yes, I mean, it's amazing, actually. Hey, you, you don't want David Beckham to do this flame. You quite clearly don't. I think we're looking for somebody somebody different. Somebody different. I don't know who who to get for it. We can't think of any. We've had a few suggestions. My Auntie Enid seems the most likely at the moment to light the Olympic flame. I think it should be the Queen. And then somebody said it should be Phil, Prince Philip. I was being a little bit familiar there, Prince Philip, because, of course, he's Greek and because they originated the game. So perhaps that would be very appropriate. Why don't we just fly over the entire Greek government? Perhaps they can come and light the flame for us. And it's got to be something interesting, hasn't it? And I don't know what is going to make it more interesting and different from anybody else who's ever done it. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm looking forward to the whole opening ceremony. The more I think about it, I wasn't when I first looked at it and the papers said, oh, it's going to be this, this, this and this. And I thought, oh, that's such a nuisance because now we know what to expect. I'd much rather have a surprise. I'd much rather, you know, have it and somebody says, oh, it's going to be this. I don't want to be told about it, really. I'd much rather have turned on the television and then seen it. But now I'm looking, I've seen it. I'm looking forward to it, which is good. Um... My wife wanted to go and see the Jeremy Kyle show for a birthday, so I've sorted it out. I've got her sister pregnant. There you go, it's fantastic. It's such a good line, it's well worth it. Uh, Sunny says, on my way to work earlier, you said no one is displaying 2012 posters or stuff to do with the Olympics. I work at Terminal 5 Heathrow. There are huge pictures everywhere. Also, posters on loads of walls. We have Olympic rings outside Costa as people arrive, which have already been sold to Brazil for 2016. Love the show, although don't agree with everything. Well, that would be ridiculous if you agreed with everything. That means you'd be me. If you agreed with everything. I was also complaining earlier on at the beginning of the show um, to um, the fact of the lack of bunting. I think we should have the Olympic route. They should rename the embankment the Olympic route or route to the stadium or something like that. And all the way down there should be lights. Follow the lights. Follow the lights. And if you follow the lights, then it'll take you straight there because people are bound to get lost. Bound to get lost. Uh, each uh, ticket generated, this is for the lottery for this week, has a unique code printed on it. The number you check on the lotto side, if yours matches, you get the million. It's got nothing to do with your normal six numbers. Yeah, but the trouble is, I buy them online. I do all my stuff online. I don't physically buy a ticket. I buy them online. So I'm hoping the ones I've already bought, they will generate some numbers for me. Oh, be nice if they wrote to me and went, Dear Stephen, we'd like to tell you that you've won £2 million because two of your tickets had numbers on. You go, oh, that'd be good. I could live with that. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, embarrassing bodies. Steve has turned into a string of people getting a television programme to pay for private cosmetic surgery. I can't watch some of it. I find it really awful. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing for me. Uh, Joe says, each ticket generated has the unique code printed on it. This number, you check on the lotto site. If yours matches, you get the millions. It's got nothing to do with your normal six numbers. Thank you. Uh, and then somebody else saying, no, it's the usual draw that the UK raffle numbers were drawn. Usually one winner, but this weekend, a hundred winners. Ah, right. So they'll, they'll, they'll do the normal lottery and then they'll go, right, and here are, here are the numbers and you'll, you'll have those. Right. Uh-huh. Sarah says, can you wish my dad, Alan, a speedy recovery. Fell over on Friday and broke his hip as he's on warfarin. They've had to wait until today to do the op. He's in a lot of pain, but he's cheerful. There you go, Alan. Be cheerful. I was on warfarin. They took me off it. 
I was very unhappy. It's a blood thinner. It's, uh, it, it keeps your blood thin. If you've had stents put in, they generally put you on, on warfarin. Uh, thank you to Jackie for sending me the octopusy yacht stuff. I've had a look, actually. I've had a look. It's, uh, it's, it's really impressive, isn't it? I think it's really, really impressive. I like it. I might even, I might even take a journey down to have a look. Uh, some more of your, oh, blimey, loads and loads of your texts and emails coming in. Uh, one from, uh, from young Dan, who says, I think the Olympics are surrounding, uh, surrounded by negativity and the rules and regulations they put in place uh, are absurd. And as for somebody to light the Olympic flame, as long as it's not Amy Childs or somebody from Big Brother or Geordie Shore, I'm not particularly bothered. Well, I hope it wouldn't be anybody like that. I mean, you couldn't ask Amy. She wouldn't know what she was doing, would she? She wouldn't have the faintest idea, poor soul. Uh, young, young Bryn, he says, my suggestion for lighting the flame is Sir Steve Redgrave, a true, truly genuine great Olympian. I travelled with him and Princess Anne in the Coca-Cola private jet when they were raising funds for the Atlanta Games many years ago. And I've known Steve since. He's a true, very fine and highly qualified Olympian with no scandal and a great supporter of training youngsters. Ah... Sad about the death of Ang Hangarad Aris, who was a gorgeous lady. I was Toastmaster, says Bryn, at her marriage to Christopher Casanova some years ago, and knew her father, Linford Rees. Did Christopher Casanova die? I can't remember if he did, actually. You've now sort of... I don't want to, I don't want to sort of um, sort of kill him off if he's, if, he's, if he's not gone. I just had a feeling about him, actually. But uh, he was famous and highly successful psychiatrist. That was Linford Rees, and, uh, and a very gentle... He died, did he? I thought Christopher Casanova died, 2010, because he came in to do an in conversation, and um, and then and so when he died, I was a bit sad actually. I don't like losing people who've done in conversations, and uh, I thought so. So uh, she was married to Christopher Casanova and Hangar and Hangardaris. So there you go. He says anyway. Um, very nice man. That was Linford Reese, Famous and highly successful psychiatrist and very gentle, cuddly, kind and sweet man, adored by all who knew him. And I was proud to be one of those people. Uh, to change the subject, we now live in France and it concerns car ownership laws. It is now a legal requirement, enforceable with fines and punishment, to have two yellow psychedelic jackets in every car which must be worn in the case of a breakdown or accident. This is the new ruling coming in in France. You are now required to have two triangles, not just one, as in the past, to be displayed 100 metres, both in front and behind the car. You're also required to have a breathalyser in every car and a first aid kit. Good grief. There's no room for anybody. The time you put all this stuff in the car... I mean, I used to keep a first aid kit in my car, and I do have a warning triangle, uh, but I don't have the breathalyser kit. It would be pointless. It would be pointless. I never drink and drive. I'm not that sort of person. He says, you think Britain is bugged by legislation. We've got it in spades here in France, but the weather, he says, is fabulous. Uh, you, can't, you can't do it for us. Over here, we've got 86 degrees today and tomorrow up to about 30 degrees, which is fantastic. They did say, didn't they, the Olympics starts, we're going to have great weather. He says, totally agree with you about decorating the shops and streets. What is wrong with our beloved leaders? I know. Get the bunting up today and lots of love to Annie as well. I'm glad that you've got good weather, but I'm also glad that we've got it. Even that means I shall have to hibernate for the next five days, I'm afraid. News at six with Sam is next. On FM, online and... Morning, Monday morning, and the good news is you better start... If, you, if, you, if you're going to practice doing a sickie, you better start practicing now. Because, and I only mention that because the weather is good, and this is when people phone up work. <coughs> so I'm really not worried about I'll, I'll just take the day off and rest at home. And then the moment you put the phone down, you go, yeah! And then you pick up the phone after it reads, you go, hello! And they go, are you still... You, you don't sound very... You don't sound very ill at all. Oh, sorry. I'm oh, very ill, very ill. 
because it's going to be 86 degrees today, which is fantastic. Uh, one here that says, Steve, why not get Dynamo to light up the stadium? We're trying to work out some way of who can light the Olympic flame without it being David Beckham. We, don't, we apparently don't want David Beckham, and we don't want... There's quite, you don't want anybody from the only way is Essex, which seems, uh, seems fairly normal, doesn't it? But we don't know who. We don't know who to actually give the job to. Will your travel presenter, says Howard, be getting an Olympic bonus due to them working over the Olympic period? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, you do tend to find people like Andy McCall will do it for a bag of toffees. You know, he is that sort of person. He, d- he doesn't expect money. Good heavens above, no, 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 no. Doesn't, doesn't worry about things like that at all. Uh, Aid says, if the Olympics are funded by the taxpayers' money, does that mean that we have automatic rights to Olympic bunting without being subject to legal action? Um... No. We, you, we, I mean, why they've not put it up, I don't know. All the lampposts, I would, I would expect it to be, like, the biggest thing that we've ever, we've ever been through. Let's put bunting up, big flags. There's nothing in this road at the back here. There's nothing in Charing Cross Road. I mean, absolutely nothing. I feel like decorating Edith Cavell's memorial to her being shot or going round to the police station and putting stuff round there. But there's nothing. Nothing at all. I can um, imagine at the, uh, at the airport there would be stuff there. But that would be official stuff. That would be a, a, official stuff. Uh, Aid has recommended Mr Bean. Seems we're jumping on the, the balmy suggestions for putting people up for, uh, for opening the, uh, the games and sort of lighting the torch. Uh, Colin says, with regards to Beckham lighting the Olympic flame, just in case you just tuned in, this has not been confirmed, but I have a feeling that that, that, that looks a bit likely. Unless they're going to come up with something even better for us. I remember a couple of weeks ago him saying he didn't think he should be the one to do it. I can't remember if he was officially asked or not. But he did come out and say the honour should not be given to him. Although generally agree with you about him. He does deserve some credit for deferring and saying somebody else should do it. Yeah, I just don't want to... I mean, I'm just... I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm just a bit bored with Brand Beckham, if you get my drift. You know, it's either her promoting her, her sunglasses and everything else or him promoting something. You only ever see him on the television when he's promoting something. You don't see them any other rest of the time because they don't live here. They live in America. That's, that's where their, their life is. That's where their business is. Um, John Lewis are putting a union flag that covers all of the store front and side right now, says Christine. Really? Oh, I hope if somebody's out in a taxi, send me a picture of that, please, will you? I like that idea. There you go. I'd be very happy with that. Very, very happy. And um, another one here very quickly. I've got so many of these texts and emails to get through. On the subject of Olympic trademarks, it does baffle me, says Trey that London won't be able to have the Olympic logo placed on storefronts or on buses, because we all know that uh, in the US we'd have the rings ever, including stores. I've no idea it would be any different. It's, probably, it's just different trademark things. That's the only reason. I thought that by now we would have had the buses rebranded. I'd love to have seen, you know, as in, let's have Olympic buses. Let's have, you know, lots of things, and buses have got the giant rings on, which at night light up. I mean, would that not be the thing to have? I remember seeing the first bus lighting up at the side and it was advertising Nanny McPhee. And the whole bus shimmered. It had all these little twinkly lights on the side of it. And I thought you could do that for the Olympics. You could have the rings and it could be the Olympic bus and it could just go round all the sites. And you'd just hop on and hop off. Because presumably the driver's been given a little bit, uh, bit of extra money. I would have thought so. I don't know. Uh, the Hundred Millionaires. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mahendra, for telling me about that. He says the torch relay is passing our shop on the 25th of July. All right, so in two days' time. He says we're only allowed to distribute Union Jack flags to the crowd to wave without Olympic rings. Nice to happen, but we have so many red tapes. There you go. Mahendra, of course, has, uh, has got uh, a news agent up at Winchmore Hill. Actually, I'm, I'm going to recommend that Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Modi stand outside their shop with little flags because we, the, we have the cycle race coming through. 
uh, which which we're looking forward to, but it, it does disrupt us for a little a little time. But I mean, I, I can cope with that. I don't mind being you know a little bit of disruption for the for the cycle race. But I do think that every shop should be allowed to decorate their windows with whatever. You know, if you want to put the Olympic rings up, that's fine. If you want to put pictures up of people Olympians or something, then that's fine as well. I think it should be every single person, so that when you come into London, you see things. I mean, all the way down the M4 and all the main routes in London, there should be huge signs with Welcome to London 2012, Home of the Olympics. That's what it should say. Because, to be honest with you, you could drive around here, you'd have no idea, no idea at all that we were actually doing the Olympics. It's only because I'm talking about it all the time that makes it sound a little bit more, more realistic. And this week is going to be, you know, fantastic. Wednesday's going to be chaotic. They're going to bring that lane in, and I'm going to sit here, and it'll probably come in from the early hours of the morning, so I'll probably get the first, uh, the first bite. And you're going to be watching people trying to career out these lanes because they know that the cameras are going to get them, and they will be, uh, they'll be sending bills in the post. Nick Ferrari, this morning, after the news at 7 on 97.3, after the worst mass shooting in history happens in Denver, Nick is asking if we need to tone down the violence in popular culture. It's, it's, it's a big question, isn't it? You know, I'm watching, they're still doing this, uh, this trial in Denmark of the man who murdered all those, those children. And he's calmly sitting there and smiling and chatting away. And I'm thinking, we shouldn't be giving any of these people publicity. The latest atrocity in, uh, in Denver, of course, is absolutely classic. And yet you turn on the television and there are more horror films. I have to turn them off now. I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of horror films. I don't like it because it quite clearly encourages some people of limited intelligence um, who actually sort of can't handle things. They can't handle things in their own life at all, and they have to go away and, and ruin other people's lives because their own life is in such a mess, and that's, that's what we don't like. So that, the answer to the question, do we need to tone down the violence in popular cuts? Absolutely. Absolutely. So somebody said to me, he said, how is he able to go and buy a gun? I said, have you been to America? You can buy guns really easily. You'd think somebody would have twigged that some, some weeks ago, what was it, 6,000 rounds of ammunition? Who in their right mind would sell him something like that? The Olympic torch, of course, journeying around London. We'll catch up with Doreen Lawrence as she carries the flame in a Fijian soldier. We're telling Nick why serving in the British Army for 13 years still doesn't stop him facing deportation. All of that plus a full review of the newspapers. It's Isabel Dedring, the Deputy Mayor for Transport, who will be in the studio looking through the papers this morning for Nick. That's all after the news at 7 o'clock. Uh, very quickly here, uh, I, like you, have become a little bit bored and tired of all our metal hopefuls endorsing, pushing, advertising some products. I have a nasty suspicion this will all backfire when they don't win any medals. Tom, Jessica, Victoria may feel like world beaters, but we shall soon find out if they really are, says Mark. Yes, I mean, I, I, there is loads of publicity surrounding the Olympic Games, and the athletes themselves are endorsing things left, right and centre for money, for lots and lots of money, and I hope that they're concentrating on the, uh, on the thing in hand. And the thing in hand, ladies and gentlemen, is winning medals, and we want lots and lots of medals, please. LBC 97.3. It's... Morning. Monday morning. Went for lunch yesterday, says David, at the new open-air Dalesford Cafe on the roof of Selfridges. He said it's like being in Marbella, but without the fake tan and tatty women. Oh, sounds ideal. I like that idea, actually, of being on the roof of... Sel- I didn't know you could go onto the roof of Selfridges. I'm always very impressed by that. He says there's no, no mortgage required to go, and it's only open to September the 2nd. So you can pop up there for lunch, afternoon tea or dinner. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Sounds nice, yeah. He says, um, he says, bit of a mystery tour to get there. Once you grab the helpful assistant, it's ground floor, ground floor perfumery hall to the fifth floor via the express lift. So there you go. So you can, you can dine on the roof of... And today, of course, it'll be chock-a-block. 
You imagine in this weather. I tell you what I like. I like the um, the roof of uh, used to be Bieber's roof gardens in Kensington. That's like they've got crazy golf and everything else up there. It's lovely. Very nice. So there's a place to go today if you're looking for somewhere different. I think a lot of people are going to be finding country pubs, aren't they, for lunchtime. A lot of country pubs will be getting their bread ready and getting, you know, the beef on and everything else. Sounds wonderful, actually. Sounds wonderful. Um, don't forget that we've, uh, we'll have a, a special programme on Friday morning on LBC 97.3. I've been up to have a look at the Olympic Gardens. OK, we'll have a... We'll be rerunning... We're not rerunning. We'll be running that. We recorded that a couple of weeks ago. So we'll be doing that this Friday on the programme for the... Uh, just in time for the opening ceremony, which is good news. And uh, one here from, from Pat. Oh, they've got Sunday, August the 26th. Pat, send us this in nearer, nearer August, as they say. Because it'll only get lost, I'm afraid. We, we, we lose things terribly. If I get something in advance, I'm more than happy to sort of mention your, uh, your shows, as you know. Um, yes... Your online tickets will be included. I, mentioned, I, I bought mine yesterday. This is for the £100 million. Pounds, OK? Uh, don't forget today that you must go down to Canary Wharf and have a look at some of these super yachts. People who work in Canary Wharf are going to be going crackers for these things. Uh, I think Daley Thompson, also Steve Redgrave for lighting the flame. And happy birthday to one of our lovelies, Neil. Love from little Julie. And uh, also it's Paul Fear's birthday today. Paul Fear is a very regular listener to this programme. Are you not, young Paul? And so many happy returns of the day uh, from John Warrington and myself. So there you go. Many happy returns of the day. We don't, we don't know how old. We don't know how old you are. I'm guessing about 36. <laughs> I jest, of course. I jest, of course. Uh, and uh, Avril says, Lady Rattling, Shirley's husband, is carrying the torch today around the Tooting Beck area. Can you give him a mention? This is Geoffrey Gordon, veteran Olympic torch bearer. 78. 78. Fantastic. He's uh, one of only 18 existing runners to have taken part in all 31 London marathons and who are nicknamed the Ever Presence. Still working full-time as a legal aid solicitor in Battersea. Geoffrey, have a lovely, lovely time today. Have a lovely time. I'm sure you will, actually. He says, it's an honour I've never dreamed of to be carrying the Olympic torch through the city I love. I know. I hate anybody who, who knocks London. I love London. I moan about it constantly, but I think you do moan about things you like, don't you? So, um, so there you go. Shirley's husband is out there with with the torch today around Tooting Beck. And uh, we'll be covering all this on uh, LBC later. If you go to the LBC website, you can see where everything's taking place, so you know you don't want to miss any of it. Um, uh, Steve, you'd have been proud on Saturday evening when an off-duty police officer warned two 12-year-olds about foul language. He said, any more and you'll be off at the next stop on the Waterloo to Reading service. How lovely. You see, I, I like things like that. Reaffirms my faith in everything at all. The flame should be lit by HRH, the Princess Royal. Says Zara. Uh, no, sorry, uh, that's Sheila. Uh, she does a lot of uh, work for charity. I don't think she's the right person to do it, though. She might do a lot for charity. She's not the right image that they're looking for. I don't know what they're looking for. We know she's an Olympian, and we know Zara is as well. I'm just thinking it's going to be somebody else. Uh, Iceland sell tins of coconut water in a can for 60p. It's lovely. It has bits of coconut, says Cathy. I'm doing my Vita Loco, though, which come, which is which is just delicious ice cold some people hate it some people do not do um coconut water they just don't like the taste for some reason uh abdul says what car do you drive british okay that's all you need to know you don't need to know about anything else apart from that you just need to know that uh, that i drive a british car because i'm british through and through uh steve they could ask one of the uh, the rioters from last year if they're good at setting flames but they could set fire to the uh, olympic <laughs> yes i think they're still in prison many of them which is good 
Um, another one here, very quickly. So many of these to get through. In a civilised society, we use courts to solve all our disputes. I would appreciate if you could please explain to me why the union doesn't use this method to solve their disputes rather than follow primitive strike action, which, due to the egos of both sides, will only make the bad problems worse by increasing the hatred. Yes, unfortunately, it's always been done like that. And even when they go to court, it's, it just seems a waste of time and money. All they're doing is that they're going to court... Well, so they're not going to court, but they will strike because they want more money. That's all they want. I love this. Virgin, Virgin Australia cabin crew are now given new etiquette rules on how to treat business passengers. Don't call them mate. All right, mate? Uh, good day, mate. Can't believe you actually get on that. Dreadful. Apparently, they, 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 they're going to get rid of that one. And so staff will only be allowed to use the term to address frequent flyer passengers who've given their consent in the airline's database. I would be mortally offended if I got on a flight and they went, all right, mate, I beg your pardon, I'm not your mate. Oh, no, I'd hate that, absolutely hate it. Apparently, this, the changes haven't gone down well with the staff. One identified crew ma- uh, member, probably known as Sheila, says they want us to get away from that sex look that's been attached to the company. Sex look? What are you talking about? Sex look? I don't know anything about sex looks. Good grief. But you can imagine getting on a plane and they go, all right, mate, I'd like to sit down there, 13A or whatever it is. Well, it wouldn't be a 13, would they? They don't have a, they don't have a 13 on the, uh, on the flights now. Uh, obviously, the flame, says Richard, must be lit by a true-born Londoner. So who better than Tommy Steele, who could finish the game singing Rockin' with a Caveman? It's a thought. It is a thought. Uh, Daily Thompson to light the flame. With so much sponsorship around, Steve, I wouldn't be surprised if Ronald McDonald lights it and then throws some some fries into the cauldron. (laughs) Uh, One here from Kevin, who says, I work in the wet end. I don't know if that means a swimming pool. And just about every jams port has an Olympic sign on. Regent Street as a flag for every competing company. I I wouldn't talk about Regent Street. London buses and taxis don't need painted rings, Steve. Once the lames come into effect, they'll all be going around in giant circles. They probably will, I'm afraid. It's, it comes in on... Uh, that comes in, I think, Wednesday. Wednesday, so you've, you've got to be good. Um, somebody's recommended Christo. You could send Christo. Perfect honour for LBC. Yes, I, I don't think you could actually get Christo running. That would... I, mean, you know, I don't think he does sort of the, the running bit. And also the Treasury... Now, uh, uh, cracking down on tax-dodging celebrities and the super-rich facing exposure if they try to avoid paying their share under a crackdown being unveiled today. They're going to name and shame the rich and famous. This is after comedian Jimmy Carr's tax affairs were, uh, were put in the public spotlight and all he'd done is he'd moved himself offshore, £3.3 million, and lots of other people have done it. Lots of other people have done it as well. Uh, he then withdrew from the scheme after it was mentioned in the papers. I don't know why, it's perfectly legal. But uh, they now said they're going to investigate. This is uh, Customs and Excise K2. Other people caught up in it. Gary Barlow, battered by adverse publicity. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting scheme. You put your money offshore and then you borrow your own money back. But because you're borrowing money, you don't have to pay tax on it. So it's, uh, it's an interesting thing that they are clamping down on. Strangely enough, somebody who's just about to... Uh, start work on another radio station, has been asked to set up a similar scheme uh, because they're being paid as freelancers. And that's, that's how it works. We're in the business of freelancers. So all the people who work television, television presenters, radio presenters. I mean, to a certain extent, there's an awful lot of freelance staff out there, people who, uh, who aren't presenters. I know people who work uh, driving uh, programmes, people doing things like that, working for Big Brother. They're, they're, in, they're paid as freelance people. So unless the taxman's going to clamp down on that, 
We'll have to have to wait and see. We'll watch it. Nick Ferrari and the team after the news at seven this morning doing this. The worst mass shooting in history in Denver. Nick asking if we need to tone down the violence in popular culture. And we will be following the Olympic flame. Front page of the Express this morning. Mortgage joys. Rates are slashed. And, uh, and Mr Wiggins winning the Tour de France and cycling into the history books, which is uh, good news all round. His name was suggested as somebody who could, in fact, light the Olympic flame. Daily Mirror. Uh, the young man who died in the steam engine horror. This is uh, He fell from a traction engine. I don't know what happened there. He was seven years old. And, uh, and he died. And then the other boy who was out on a boat and got caught under the propeller of the boat, he died in hospital yesterday as well. Bradley Wiggins on the front of the mirror, uh, proudly uh, sporting his sideburns with a lovely... He's only 32. He's the first Brit to win the Tour de France, so well done to him. The Sun on the front page, uh, Champs-Élysées, Wigo, the first Brit to win the Tour, and a visa scam giving potential terrorists the chance to sneak into Britain with... Pakistan's Olympic team has been smashed by the sun. Plus a woman who's addicted to having boob jobs. And she's in the paper. It was like a good boob story on a Monday. And so here she is inside. And apparently she spent a lot of money on it and she's still not satisfied. She said, I don't think... She said, I spent £20,000 on four boob operations in four years and I still don't think they're that big. Strangely enough, the, the piece says stunning Lindsay Walker. They're obviously not looking at the same picture I'm looking at. She's extremely plain and uh, badly dyed hair. But I suppose that's the best she's ever going to look. But she's obviously addicted to having operations to make her boobs bigger. You know, I don't know why. Because, you know, you get to a certain age, they'll be down by your knees anyway. There's no point in worrying about it. Uh, the Daily Mail. £20, 20 million pounds a knighthood next for wonderful Wiggins. And uh, the BBC has told thousands of staff to go off the books to cut its tax bill. Those and other stories you will be reading inside the papers this morning. They're also looking at the London riots uh, a year on in The Independent and The Times. I've got a fantastic poster uh, looking at uh, just how big cycling has become now. It's absolutely huge in this country. We'll do it again tomorrow morning from 4 till 6.30. If you go to the LBC website, there's all the details on there about, uh, about where the Olympic torch is today and exactly how you can get involved. Plus, there's all the, uh, the other bits and pieces that you can download from the website, including all the pictures that we've got up there, and I shall continue tweeting later on today. If I see the, the Olympic torch, any of my things, I will tweet it, I promise you. And uh, thank you for all your texts and emails this morning. Uh, there's a free podcast. We put it up every day. We record it after the programme. It's a, it's a bit more show-busy than the rest of the programme. In fact, it's quite a bit more show-busy. And this morning, we're going to, we, we have to reveal to you Tamara Eccleston and just how rich she is. When she split with her boyfriend the other day, they started separating lots of items. You won't believe what's on the list of what she's decided to keep and what she's decided to give him. He, of course, comes with a bit of track history, which we'll tell you about a little bit later on. So that's coming up. It'll be downloadable in, uh, in about half an hour's time, I think. Have a lovely day. Don't forget, it's going to be nice and hot. It's Olympic week on LBC 97.3. We're going... We're going with guns blazing on this one. Coming up next, it's the LBC 97.3 Morning News with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.3.